When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. My advice is flee, keep suitcases near. Vacate the premises, placate your innocence. Fate is unpretty, we embrace the blemishes. Seek these shepherds, and I only need three seconds to beat these peasants. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Double Countout Podcast. This is episode eight, and we're going to be talking about the insane amount of news that's taken place over the last month since the last time we recorded. On top of our predictions for the top three matches in Dominion, NXT, and the upcoming Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So again, this is Josh Jackson, and I'm here with Derek Kranevelt. Greetings. And yeah, unfortunately, Matt was not able to make it with us this week, but we are going to power through and try to get as much get into as much of this as humanly possible, which I don't even know will be possible because like the last time we recorded was what, right before Backlash, right? Yeah, pretty much right before Backlash. Yeah, and then like I feel like there's I feel like you could fill a podcast with reactions of backlash alone but on top of that we've had like some game-changing money being exchanged between wwe and fox network we've had the cm punk trial we've had some truly awful segments that have taken place in the last couple of uh, weeks and then in between all that we've had some pretty solid builds i think to the pay-per-views that are coming up so we should probably jump right into it Uh, what do you say let's do it all right sounds good so as you mentioned, we left off with predicting backlash last time, and now we're just going to start off with backlash, which the consensus seemed to be one of the worst pay-per-views in recent memory, <laughs> if not one of the worst that WWE's ever produced. So, uh, yeah, I uh, it is it is it's hard to go back. It's hard to think about. I've, I've repressed it at this point. Um, it's interesting because I feel like up until this year's backlash, like. You know, because you're watching the pay-per-view live. You're probably following the, like, live reaction thread on Reddit and everything like that. And in the past, everyone's talking about how terrible... Like, every pay-per-view is bad, apparently. Like, nobody likes anything ever. Um, But, you know, you're going through these threads and everyone's like, this is terrible. And I'm like, this is a great pay-per-view. I'm having a lot of fun. And I never 
I, I almost always disagreed with everyone talking about how terrible it was until this year's backlash. Um, we, I like, I don't remember a single thing about it at this point and it's only been a month, but yeah, it, it was so, I just remember like watching it live and just being like, what, like, like it was the first time I was like, why am I watching this? Like, right. Like, like it is a big chunk of the, it is a big chunk of the day. And it is not worth it. Was not worth the time that, that we were putting into it. Um, yeah, as I, I, I'm looking at the card right now, just to refresh your memory a little bit, because I remember that the very first match on the main card was Seth Rollins versus The Miz, which was a really good match. That was yeah, okay. That was and that was the that was the standout match for the pay per view, wasn't it? Yeah, because then but everyone it was, was also the it was also the same match that we had seen. Like, didn't we just see it on TV like a few days prior as well? Like something like that. Yeah. So it was like, you know, that kind of started on a high point, which got everyone excited. And then just nosedive from there. Because then we had Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss, that rematch. We had yeah. Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton, who are good wrestlers, but that match is ultimately just nothing. Um, yeah. Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass in his big singles, singles pay-per-view return <laughs> against fucking Big Cass, where... Like nothing meshed. It made them both look bad, and like both of them had a lot to prove because this is Big Cass's first big singles match since he came. I think the right, highlight totally. of the match is when he botched a, he botched like the yes lock, which is like impossible to. I could I could take a yes lock, and there's that footage of Daniel Bryan trying to pull his arm in and he won't <laughs> give it to him, so he just started elbowing him in the side of the head. Oh um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing like I remember what like it live being like this. Th- I, I've never seen this before. This looks this looks different. And then like repeating yeah. it afterwards, and I was like, and oh, then after that, you followed that up with Carmella versus Charlotte, which we'll talk about that in a little bit because you wanted to focus a little bit on Oscar's loss. But I mean, we went from you know Charlotte breaking Oscar's streak to losing to Carmella clean, which was like probably. Aside from AJ Nakamura, I thought that was probably the most bizarre finish of the whole show because it kind of hurt. It didn't do anything <laughs> for it didn't do anything yeah, for yeah. Carmella, I didn't think, because the match was bad and she was messing up a lot of stuff. So anybody who's even the slightest bit, you know, versed in how wrestling's supposed to work knew that she didn't come off as impressive in this match. But then in the process, yeah, it hurt Asuka and Charlotte mm-hmm. because Charlotte lost clean to it someone who doesn't Asuka. know what they're doing. And then it hurts Asuka by extension because Charlotte just beat Asuka. Yeah. Which led to probably that worst finish of the show, which was AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. Where I think, I remember in the chat at the time, it's been weeks now, but I think you were saying that you kind of liked the finish, right? Was this the, this was the double nut kick? Yeah. I, like, I... It was a it was a comedic moment. I I was like I laughed and I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Um, yeah, I, like I did not hate I did not hate it at the time. I thought it was pretty funny, but it's super weird. Like, I don't has that ever happened before? Like a like a double low blow to end the match? Not that I, don't I know if that's ever not I that I yeah, know I of at least not in WWE. So at least they're being original, maybe. Yeah, um, I just thought like, what are like what are the chances of something like this happening? And it 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 was funny uh it and it fit in with the the like it seems like every match that they'd had up until this point like ended in a in a joke almost and so it fit along that same um that same line uh but yeah as a like 
I totally understood the negativity towards their whole feud because it was a joke. It felt like a joke. It was supposed to be this big thing where these, you know, two legendary rivals who we hadn't seen have a rivalry in this company, like come together finally. And it was supposed to be incredible. And it just wasn't. Um, and, and, and so while it fit with what was going on, obviously I wanted more from it, but yeah, um, it was a funny moment. It was, I, I, I laughed out loud as what the fuck's happening. It was like a Nicholas being a tag champ thing. It was like, this is absolutely preposterous <laughs> and it's kind of amazing at the same time. Right. So like, here's the thing. Like, when Megan was watching it, she hated it and I loved it too. My initial reaction was like, I was laughing my ass off and then they counted to five and I was like, all right, guys, cause they're getting up and <laughs> then right, it got to like up. eight and, and they weren't moving. I was like, holy shit. I was like, this can't be the ending. And when that ended up being the ending, that's when I kind of flipped. Like it was okay. as an individual spot, it was great. Yeah. Like as an ending to a match, not so much. And to such a big, such a high profile match. Yeah. And then like it makes what makes it worse, I think, is because their WrestleMania match is the only like legitimate match they've really had so far. And to be honest, it, it wasn't that good. It, it didn't meet the expectations that a lot of people put on it. So people were expecting them to make up for it at the Greatest Royal Rumble and that ended up being essentially a glorified house show. So that ended in a double count out right when people started feeling that it was starting to get going. So that kind of soured that finish. And then the next match was, uh, and it made the booking made no sense anyway, because their solution towards the double count out as the greatest Royal rumble was to book a no disqualification match was has nothing to do with the double count out. Mm-hmm. And then the match, even though it wasn't like a ring out count out, the match still ended in a double count out, which I think made yeah. it even more frustrating. And then so now leading into Money in the Bank, which we're going to talk about later. Now the stipulation is a last man standing match, which still doesn't really make sense because theoretically the same finish could take place. It doesn't solve the problem that, <laughs> that's, that's, they, that that's, was created by the backlash finish. That's true. If they did the same spot and they couldn't get up again, it's still that 10 count. That Like, that is why. Yeah, no, that's true. I didn't think about that. So it's like at this point, you have a feud built around low blows where they keep adding stipulations that do absolutely nothing to allevi- alleviate mm-hmm. the problem of the low blows. So it's really, really bizarre. Um, but I have they a feeling. just have like a Rochambeau match or something. Pretty much. That's what, <laughs> that's what I feel like they're going for at this point. Um, but yeah, following up that match at Backlash was a Braun Strowman Bobby Lashley tag match versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which, like speaking of Nicholas, the rumor was always that Bobby Lashley was supposed to be his mania partner as a surprise, but then okay. a combination of the surprise kind of leaking on top of them just wanting to swerve people, they changed the mind, at least that's the prevailing thought. And it makes sense now, because ever since Mania, ever since Mania up until the end of Backlash, pretty much like Lashley and Strowman were teaming up mm-hmm. so well, and, that- I, and, and I feel like on that note like ha, like unless you were a, unless you've been a fan for a long time I don't know that you would like if 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 like somebody that's only watched for a few years like myself had Lashley been that that partner and had come out I'd be like who the fuck is this guy whereas that Nicholas thing was super memorable for me like it was so weird and and just ridiculous and so funny and that is a piece of WrestleMania that I'll probably always remember because I don't think anything like that's happened before but had Lashley come out instead as someone who doesn't know who the hell Lashley is until you know until we got an interview to to show show us how much of a family man he was (laughs) um 
you know, like, like at that point, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. And so I think that, that they probably, they possibly made the right choice there. Right. And the thing about Lashley too, is that his biggest accomplishment in WWE, they can't talk about. So it kind of leaves him at a huge disadvantage as it is, as what, far as what it, was his biggest accomplishment? He was, um, he was in, it wasn't the official main event, but press wise, it was like PR wise, it was the main event, but it was like WrestleMania 23, 24 or something where it was Umaga as Vincent Mann's representative and Bobby Lashley as Donald Trump's representative. And the loser, <laughs> the, uh, the losing wrestler kidding. got to like shave the head of the, I remember the head shave. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Why can't they talk about that? Cause they're, because there's a, like a certain WWE Hall of Famer in the White House that's very polarizing that they don't want to they don't want to oh, acknowledge even wanna, though I'm sure open that can of worms yeah although I'm sure yeah, that okay. it's taking every bit of restraint that Vincent Mann has to not <laughs> mention that a WWE Hall of Famer and someone who's He's appeared at multiple WrestleManias is the president of the United States right now but I thought that was going pretty well though that whole presidential thing yeah so I hear <laughs> from what I've heard way up from what you know way up here. Yeah, like everything, everything's been sw- going swimmingly so far. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, as far as that tag match, there's nothing to say. It was a nothing match. Um, it was disappointing to see Owens and Zayn essentially get squashed when Kevin Owens is a former world champ and Sami Zayn is, you would think they were trying to build him up after his heel turn, but apparently <laughs> not. Um, but yeah, and then he's I, like, he's just a male Becky, basically. Pretty much. Which is funny because they were tag like team partners in the mixed yeah. match. Oh yeah, yeah. they both they, they just both deserve so much more and just get shat on constantly. Yeah, and then lastly, and I, this match I think really, you know, a lot of times we've talked about how you know you you're kind of jumping back and you're jumping into wrestling recently, so you don't really get you kind of were in the middle of the whole Roman thing, so you don't really see why people hate him as much as they do. I think I think this match is one of the textbook examples of why people hate him. So I remember thinking about that, about this match because it was such a generic, I can't even remember who he fought now, but Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, it was such a generic match. And then I think at one point I was like, Oh, it's about time for the old Superman punch spear pin combo. And then like two seconds later it happened. And like, and and that was that, that it was at that moment that I was like, okay, like I, I see that I see it a little bit. Yeah. And so it's like this match, for one thing, this match was the main event, even though there's absolutely nothing on the line, which is complete shit. And I don't know if this is more because they were trying to get... I don't know if this is because they wanted to put Roman in the main event or if it was because they knew they were ending the championship match with a double nut shot and they didn't want to end the show on that. But <laughs> one way or another, like Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe was the main event of a pay-per-view where they had absolutely nothing on the line. Right. And it was essentially a filler match. So it was a really weird choice to put that match at the end. Um, it was the third longest match of the show at 18 minutes. And I think 16 of those minutes was Samoa Joe holding him in a chin in a headlock. Oh, the rest holds were so ridiculous. And this is the thing too, about Roman is like they, the, Joe was going into that match really pot, like really hot. And in the feud between the two of them, like Roman was completely ignoring Joe and talking about Brock the whole time. If you remember. So yeah, yeah, I do. Like Joe was carrying the feud on his own with the with his promos and his promos were like top notch during that buildup. So it's kind of like you had Samoa Joe doing all the buildup and then you have them in the main event with nothing on the line. And then for, according to what according to what I've read, of course, this is all speculation, but it also kind of is in line with the way that they do things sometimes mm-hmm. is that they 
booked the match to be in that to have him in that really long rest hold to get heat on Joe because their idea was well Joe's going to get cheered so how can we get the crowd to turn on Joe and cheer Roman instead and <laughs> and their solution is let's have fucking Joe lay on the mat for 16 minutes in an endless yeah. headlock where so the, and so when Roman pops up and hits his Superman punch spear combo at the end like people will cheer and they'll be happy that he like there was some action in the match and by extension mm-hmm. they'll kind of that'll rub off on Roman and the end who, result like, I, up, who the fuck thought that would work because like they should not be working there but I mean I mean not to this not to this extent but they really do do it all the time where yeah. heels will put like even on raw matches like heels will put baby faces and chin locks for like two or three minutes yeah but i feel like usually there's usually that's like oh we're going to a commercial break great like this was this was like that but with no commercial break in the middle (laughs) it's like they forgot it was a pay-per-view just like everybody else watching did um yeah and then like it ultimately ended like you said um it resulted in not roman not only did not get cheered but it got both guys booed one of those boring chants. Boring chants, CM Punk chants, which I haven't yeah. heard on a TV show in a while. It's been a while, yeah. It's um, been a while. You got delete chants. You got beat the traffic chants. Beat the traffic, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of yeah. People... Well, and you saw like like the when it cuts to the crowd immediately, like like immediately following the pin, and it cuts to the crowd, and usually usually it'll be people jumping up and cheering and stuff like that. But it was just like people just mass exiting the arena. Yeah, it. Um, I, Although apparently, like I was like, oh, that's like that's got to look bad. Apparently, like I read it, I read afterwards, and apparently that from a bunch of people that were there, the train system around that area is super shitty at night, and it was super late at that point, like it was midnight, and it was like they either ran out or even left before the match ended, or they had to wait like an, another hour for the next train or something yeah. like that. But here, here's the thing with that argument. I mean, everybody's different, but I don't see that many people leaving for that reason, and I know oh, personally. No, I feel like- like personally yeah, no, speaking, sorry, sorry. Um, personally speaking, when I when I've gone to things close to home, like anime expo or even WWE events, and sometimes like they would run late, or even when I'm at WrestleMania in a fucking in like a city that I've never been to before, it's like if things are running late and I'm gonna risk moving going past when the train stop running or when the buses stop running mm-hmm. like i'll stay like if i'm into the show like if i'm into totally. anime expo or i'm into wrestlemania or whatever the case is like yeah, like true. when i when we went to the tokyo dome this year like i think the show ended in japan time it ended like late like 11 30 or 12 and we weren't familiar with the train systems and we had the option to like leave a little early because it was freezing cold out too. And Megan, okay, and yeah. Megan was sick. And yet the thought never crossed either of our minds. Oh, let's leave early so that we can try to catch a train before the show. Totally. That's why I, I, I read that. It, I read that reasoning and I don't buy it. Not that for one thing, I don't think that many people would be bothered, but would be in that situation where they absolutely had to catch a train. Cause that seemed like a pretty big chunk of the arena. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of people. And, I, that point. and I, I feel like when I buy it, like if I buy a ticket for something like I want to absorb every possible second of that event, like you're putting your good, like you're putting your hard earned money into this thing that you're obviously into because you bought a ticket for it. And to like, I don't know, I, I, I feel like like who who leave like you're just going to leave a concert like you're going to be like, I don't need to see the encore. I'd rather get home five minutes earlier. Like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. 
Right. And that's that's why I just don't buy it, because like like I said, even with Anime Expo, there was times where the last event that I wanted to see ended at like two in the morning and the last train is at one in the oh, morning. Geez. And I was just yeah. like either, oh, I'll just either um, like sleep in a viewing room or I'll take a taxi home. Like it's not mm-hmm. if like I said, if I'm really into it, I wouldn't leave. So I think regardless of how people try to spin it or the WWE itself tries to spin it, I really do think that's a re- reflection of the quality of not just that particular match and not just people's reception to Roman Reigns, but just the reception to the whole Mm pay-per-view, which moving on from backlash is the moral from backlash that we ended up finding out a few weeks later was that it means absolutely nothing because they're still getting paid over a billion dollars to produce (laughs) television coming right off the heels of like one of the worst pay-per-views they've ever put on. And it, the thing that's really interesting that normally, like, I don't know if Matt would want to cover this if he was hosting. Normally, I wouldn't really want to spend too much time talking about financials and all that. It has mm-hmm. not a whole, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the booking and the TV show itself, typically. But what makes this really interesting now is that SmackDown more than likely is going to become the main focus once this goes into effect, because that's what they're getting paid the big money for. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. SmackDown might become the A show going forward, and that might mean that we're going to see a lot of uh, the quote unquote. So we're going to see Roman on SmackDown. Yeah, I could see like where they're going to try to transition the people that they see as top draws to SmackDown, and it'll be the first time in the show's history where it's going to be given this better treatment than Raw is. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we're anticipating. But more than anything, and this makes it kind of frustrating as a fan, and just to back up and talk about the Roman Reigns situation a little bit more, like a argument that i've always felt that i don't really see people bring up too often is that i don't think wwe would get as much backlash about roman if they didn't constantly in their little pr videos where they try to talk about how much they appreciate the fans and they've even done it in promos i remember there was a promo with cm punk and triple h where punk was talking about how he wasn't given the opportunities that he earned and then triple h was in the ring like refuting him by saying the office doesn't decide who's popular. The fans do. Mm. And that's that's like a piece of propaganda that they've always put out there where it's like, we listen to the fans. The fans, like, the fans drive our business. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, the office can't decide who's popular and it's up to the talents to find a way to get popular and then we'll, right. we'll support the popular talents in kind. But then there's like numerous examples of guys like Zack Ryder who got ridiculously popular on his own and they responded by just burying him six feet under totally. and well, how like how often is he even on TV at this point like yeah he's like he was losing the Mojo Raleigh last yeah. time I remember him in an actual yeah. feud and then like CM Punk was an example well CM Punk's kind of a bad example because they ended up pushing him although he was usually defending the WWE championship on the mid card while John Cena was in the main event against John Laurinaitis of all people. It was, it was <laughs> such a, it was such a great and horrible time at the same time. Um, <laughs> then you had guys like Daniel Bryan where at this point it's been well documented that he wasn't supposed to be anywhere near the main event and the fans mm-hmm. kind of forced their hand because, well, it was a combination of events, but the fans and people booing Batista and CM Punk leaving and kind of creating a hole in their WrestleMania plans all led to him eventually getting that, mania win but it's frustrating back to the tv deal it's frustrating because it's like now i feel like the fans really don't have any power because it's like wrestling's always been a business driven by popularity and by being able to convince 
crowds to show up to pay money for your shows or order your pay-per-views. But now they're getting so much money for the TV deal that none of it really matters. Like if you look at <clears throat> yeah. how much money they make from the network, it's like nothing. They could completely tank the network and still be making <laughs> Just get millions rid of, it of dollars. Still be ahead. Like they could no everyone could cancel the network. Everyone could stop going to house shows. Everyone could stop buying merchandise and they'd still be making millions of dollars in profits every year for the next five years once this mm-hmm. deal goes through. So it like the worst case scenario is I feel like this gives them even less incentive to care about putting on a product that people enjoy because they know that they have all this money to fall back on. But at the same time, I also think that if their ratings do drop, like say they're rating, they're moving to a network station. So ideally their ratings would increase because they have more Mm -hmm. viewers, but let's say their ratings don't increase enough or their ratings don't increase at all. Or even if worst case scenario, their ratings drop from what they are right now. Like Fox is going to have the power to cancel them or move them to a different station that has far Mm -hmm. less access and far fewer viewers. So is that an incentive to, to take that feedback that's being given now when they're on a smaller network and improve that product and, I mean, that's what you would yeah. hope. That's why. That's what I make this. That's what I think makes this really interesting because every traditional measurement of popularity that wrestling has ever been measured on, like like I said, merchandise, pay per view buys, uh, TV ratings, and all that. Well, I mean, ratings matter more now, but like all the traditional avenues are pretty much moot once this goes into effect. But now, ra- TV ratings are all that's going to matter. Mm-hmm. So if they can't keep up their ratings, are they still going to essentially take the same stance they do now and just kind of do whatever they want regardless of ratings? Or are they going to take it more seriously now? And if ratings drop, they're going to have to make some big changes. And more than anything, I think the biggest question at this point is, will ratings drop at all? Like, will like if the dedicated fans who are still watching continue to watch, then... Then there's really no reason for them to change anything. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where where that all leads. And it's a lot like I could see like like I can't anticipate in a in a world where they're making that much money for that show. Like some of that money has to go back into that show as well. Like I can't see the. I just feel like it's been getting really cheesy lately with the like the selfie promos and like the the like text synced with the words that they're saying like all that stuff that i feel like that was fine for like the mix match challenge where it's like this online facebook like small thing but on this like giant tv show it just feels like it doesn't fit um maybe we'll see things like pyro come back that was i mean those entrances were always so much more impressive like like i think i really noticed it this week with the like becky and charlotte match on on uh, SmackDown, and I don't know if it's Becky's just not had a match in a while or what, but like Becky coming out to no steam, they just seems like a big. They can't afford steam. And it's just and it's steam. It's not like <laughs> like you do you already you already have those. It's not like you have to buy. A, it's not like having to buy all these explosives every week. Like, is it not just a fog machine that you already bought probably years ago? Like, you can't bring that with you. Didn't they sell those or for is Rock that... Band for like ninety nine bucks? Yeah, yeah, right. Or is it just is it like it's unfair? Like if she gets any augmentation to her uh, introduction and then nobody else does. Yeah, or, that's what I, that I mean, was at my that, first at that point. Well, like, why are we still using the neon lights for Naomi? Like they should all be on an even playing field where 
or like like Rusev still does that jump. Like there's going to be explosives going off, but it just looks silly now because he just jumps. Imagine if Kane was still wrestling regularly. He just like put <laughs> he his arms in the arms air and then slammed down for nothing. It looks like he's just sh- aggressively shrugging at that point. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I would I would hope to to see because and, and I don't know if it's. I don't know if this week was a weird one or what, but I felt like I noticed a lot of that stuff this week. Like the, I, like the contract signing between Nakamura and, and styles. I felt, I felt like had a lot of good moments, but it seemed so low budget. Like, I don't know it. Like it was like, it was, everything was too over sharp. It was like over sharp or something. Like there just wasn't a lot of focus to the, to like the shots themselves. And, and it just felt like it came off as like really cheesy and like really like low budget. And I don't know why, because what, what I mean, what they were doing was fine. It was just like, like something with the production itself. Um, and maybe that could change in this world where they're making so much money off of SmackDown. Yeah. And like another topic that's been kicked around a lot lately is now the wrestlers in a way do have more power because they could, like now that so much money's at stake, they could like go on strike and that kind of stuff or they could fight for more yeah, benefits. I saw there was like but... some, some website was calling for them to like unionize and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's, I feel like that's something that's really, really hard to do in wrestling because there's always the, like wrestling more than any other business, not necessarily more, but more than a lot of businesses. It's like, you know, if you speak out against the boss, that's like a direct, that directly affects your pocketbook and if everyone yeah. oh yeah yeah and if no if everyone doesn't go along with it then you're kind of just a you're kind of just you know stuck in a position where you kind of screwed yourself over especially because mm-hmm. of the horse i don't know if you remember the or if you've ever heard the story how they tried to unionize in the 80s supposedly no no i had where essentially like uh, jesse ventura was like rallying everybody to go to vince and like demand benefits and then they got hulk hogan involved and he agreed to it and he said he was on board and then as soon as he was away from them he pulled vince aside and was like these guys are trying to unionize so oh shit vince like vince like punished ventura and kind of like cut cut it all out from under its legs but yeah but i'm with the tv deal it'll be interesting to see where they go i mean especially if they keep putting on segments like the segments that have been plaguing raw the last like three or four weeks Mm -hmm. which was uh Lashley Sami Zayn feud that's been going on which to me I think that might be the worst I think that might be the with absolutely no matches taking place between them in a single setting yet like this is probably the worst feud of the year (laughs) yeah and it's probably gonna be hard to beat because it started with probably the most awkward cringy interview that segment that I've seen in a very long time if not ever in WWE (laughs) Yeah, it was up there. It was, uh, I don't know that I, I can't recall anything that else that I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, I I think now that I'm thinking of it, you know what this comes close to is the, the sister Abigail promo when he, when Bray was actually sister Abigail on and stuff. Yeah, that was really, I feel like this is way worse than that. The thing about it too, is like, there's probably been worse interviews from a technical standpoint where they, you know, where they botched a bunch of stuff, but at least that's by accident. I think what makes mm-hmm. this one like somebody wrote, somebody this. wrote this, this went exactly as planned. This was exactly and how they wanted just it like to go. The, the look on his face and like the, the, he just had like a weird tone to his voice. It sounded like, and I feel like Renee asked like two questions and the rest of the time she's just like, it looks like she's just trying not to like, shoot herself <laughs> it's just so, it's so rough and uh, it's the and, and it's like four hours long like <laughs> the 
the stories that he was telling were so weird too. It was like, well, first of all, first off, like coming off of his TNA run, and we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-show, uh, like before we started, but how in TNA his character was essentially Brock Lesnar, except he wasn't like completely unbeatable. He was just like really dominant. And he showed up. Yeah, like he would. Sh- yeah, and he showed up every week. Um, but like his gimmick was he was a heel MMA fighter. But he didn't actually do any heelish things. He was just really arrogant and he was and he overwhelmed his opponents and kind of like Brock, except people actually did beat him every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so people were excited because he was putting on his best matches, his best character work. Like, ironically, people say, like, you know, TNA. Well, it's getting better now. But at the time, people would say TNA is where careers go to die. And ironically, <laughs> like he his character work, his promo work. His in-ring work got so much better. And finally, like, everything started clicking for him over there. So people were kind of excited to see where they were going to go with him from here. And I guess because they already have a Brock Lesnar, they didn't want to have another one. But his first, like, character-building moment was in this interview where I guess the purpose of it was just to try to say that he, like, came from a military family and he has a strong sense of family with his Mm -hmm. sisters but it just came off as horrible it was like they tied him up in the woods and left him to die one of them smacked him in the (laughs) eye with like a weapon and gave him his scar that he has right under one of his eyes the other other one would chase him and like attack him with a broom the other one walked around with a ratty blanket that like and took it to school that had like a horrible odor to it and i was like what like for one thing why are you telling us this what does this have to do with your wrestling character? And your sisters sound horrible. <laughs> they sound like horrible people. And you should just not talk to them anymore because they're bad. Yeah. Which I think kind of, which I think kind of came out the following week. Cause like at the end of the interview itself, he's like, I have a new family now called the WWE universe. And <laughs> I think we're going to have a lot of fun together. And it's like super creepy. Like, in the back of my head, I was hoping this is all leading to some kind of like heel serial killer gimmick where <laughs> he just like he kills the people he loves or some shit. I, but because like you mentioned, too, like the way he stares into the camera, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the weirdest, most uncomfortable thing. He like looks right into the camera and it was like, oh, my to his sisters, I love you. Which like two weeks later is when Sami Zayn supposedly brought out his sisters. Mm-hmm. And that was when it was just like three guys in drag pretending to be his sisters. And it was weird because when Lashley came out, he was like insulting them, but he was insulting them like they were his real sisters, which made it sound like he was really insulting his sisters. <laughs> like, cause it, like he came out and he was like oblivious to, he, no, it, he wasn't oblivious, but he was acting like he was oblivious to the fact that it wasn't. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, Hey, Kathy, like, Oh, looks like you're still shopping at the thrift shop as usual. And I'm like, well, that's just, that sounds like something you're saying about your actual sister though. Mm-hmm. And then like this next one, he's like, Oh, Oh, Hey, like, I can't remember all their names, but it's like, Hey, uh, Oh, you still got that thing on your upper lip. No wonder you can't find a husband. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. That's... It was so cringy. It was like, it felt like a, like, this is your life type thing. Like it was like, Oh, here's, here's these people from your past. In this case, it was supposed to be his sisters, but just like, Oh, terrible like like i don't even know what to say like he he had that 
spot where he like took the one with the broom and because in the first interview he said when he was a kid he used to tell her she should jump on her broom and fly away like calling her a witch i guess and <laughs> yeah. then, so they actually did a spot where the guy with the broom it was weird it was like he threw him out of the ring and he like completely got tangled in the ropes and then he got back in the ring because I think he, they were trying to do, redo the spot or maybe they forgot mm. to use the broom. So they went, he jumped back in like nothing happened. And then Lashley grabs the broom, like shoves it between his legs like a witch and then throws him out the ring by the broom, which looked scary as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the week later, they acknowledged how bad it was because they had an actual segment with Sami Zayn apologizing for how bad the segment was before spinning it around and saying, Oh, well it's really Lashley's fault because he's a fake and all whatever he's saying. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, uh, I mean, in the time that you've been watching again, have, have you ever, have you seen any kind of feud worse than this or like interview segments? No, like I think it, like it really echoed the, the Bailey Alexa, this is your life thing. But that, Oh, my Alexa just woke up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really it really echoed that in terms of that one promo. But I feel like the rest of that feud felt fine compared to this. This is just every single moment is awful. Um, and and again, as someone who's like, I have no idea who the hell Lashley is like, this is not going to this. This is not going to get anybody on his side. Like, just go like go like it was better before you were here so please go away but that is how i feel at this point like at least zane was doing interesting stuff with with ko and and everything like that and now it's like uh, it, like a zane segment now is a bad segment because it's part of this whole thing and i think i think the worst part about it in regards to zane is that his delivery and his selling of these horrible segments is actually really good Mm-hmm. yeah like from a promo standpoint he's doing an amazing job with some really really shitty material yeah that's true and so i mean that's a testament to how good he is on promos which i think we've talked about before but it still amazes me how good at promos he is and how great his face well no his facial expressions are should be good but his promos and everything considering the large majority of his career he was like a silent he was like a mute luchador mm-hmm. behind a mask so yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, Sammy's just an amazing talent. Bobby's an amazing talent, and neither of them are getting to show it. And I'm afraid at this point that Bobby might just might not ever be able to show it because his his strength is being the intimidating badass MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And as long as Brock's around, and even once Brock's then gone, I don't do know that, if they're yeah. going to necessarily want to remind people of Brock that soon with like a quote unquote, I guess, like diet Brock. Since I doubt, since he's actually going to be there every week, and he's actually going to lose right. once in a while, so. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see where. Yeah. Like, I. So, do you think he just, like, if this doesn't turn around significantly and in a short period of time, like, nobody's going to get behind him? And then do they just, do they, does he just fade into obscurity then at that point? Or what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I think that he's, he's popular in terms of, he's not popular with the WWE fans at this point, but I know that he's like popular with the back and with Vince McMahon and all of that because of okay, how yeah. they, how hard they fought to, bring him back and supposedly they're paying him a lot of money and they trusted him enough all those years back like vince was considering making him one of the top guys next to cena at the t- during his first mm-hmm. run so yeah, i mean well. he's and he trusted him enough to be in that donald trump match years ago so mm-hmm. he, you know they he has a lot of stock and i don't think they're going to give up on him too easily but at this point i feel like either give him his tna gimmick 
which is funny too because you have guys like eric young insanity it's not exactly his gimmick in tna but it's like an extension of it and then you have mm-hmm. ec3 who's literally his tna gimmick to the point where his character is still named ec3 which is named after the old <laughs> owner of the company oh, so really? it's like yeah like his it, it, it wasn't real obviously because he was in wwe before tna but like ec3's gimmick is that his name is ethan carter the third like the rich nephew of yeah. dixie carter who used to own tna okay, yeah, yeah. and all that so and they kept his name and they haven't flat out called him Ethan Carter at any point, but they've still said he, I think at one point at the last takeover, Morrow said he's from a rich, uh, a family, like a wealthy family who owns restaurants, which I think is where Dixie Carter's wealth comes from. Like her parents were big <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, restaurant, like own big restaurants or something like that. So if they could acknowledge Ethan Carter at any extent, I feel like at some point something's got to give and they either have to give him that, MMA gimmick or he's just going to stay in this position where he's just floundering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, as far as, as far as that, that's pretty much all I have to say about Lashley. If you're ready to move on to Enzo. Oh, I'm ready to move on from Lashley. <laughs> I'm ready. I was ready to move on a long time ago. So before, before he ever showed up, <laughs> you're ready to move on for him before you knew who he was. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Enzo's was, well, I was I was gonna say charges are dropped, but charges were never filed in Enzo mm-hmm. Lamore's um I don't know if you can call it a rape case. It was like a rape accusation. Uh, yeah, I think accusation is the the best choice of, of words. Right. So he came he broke his silence by coming out with a rap video, which isn't surprising because they had always said that he wanted to transition into rapping once his wrestling career was over. Mm-hmm. But like, what did you think of the actual video in the song? Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I like, I don't know. It's I, like, I feel like when you're, I, I, I'm speechless. That's what I am. I'm speechless. Uh, when you, I feel like when you listen to like a hip hop or a rap song, like even if it's free, hip-hop. there's just, even if it's free hip hop, it's like there's just some I, I had no idea what he was saying. Like and it's not that he was speaking overly fast for like a rap song or anything like that, but just the words that were coming out of his mouth, I had no idea what half of them were. Um it just felt like it felt and and he's new to this, obviously. Like he's this is a new thing for him. So it it felt like it was somebody trying to be a rapper, like for the first time. Like it felt sloppy. Um the the content was like i think it was about his like his experiences and and this this thing that he's been going through which is uh, interesting and obviously very uh like something that's very important to him cuz i i mean it pretty much it pretty much ruined his life uh i would say and um which is i mean it now now we're at the point where there's not there's no charges charges were never laid i feel like there was also like because he got released right away and i feel like there was the 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 word going around at that time was that that he was aware of this prior and didn't inform wwe and that was the main issue or that was the reason he was let go so quickly but then like according to that statement he was not aware of these accusations until they went public online um so that kind of changes things a little bit too uh but yeah i don't know it was i mean i don't listen to rap 
and I forced myself through this song and uh, it felt like I was forcing myself through a rap song and <laughs> it was not a particularly good one. I just remember there was some line about his consensual dick. Oh or my something, god! And I was like, oh, that's that's poignant. Oh man, that's- yeah. <laughs> like I think the song was a lot like his promos, but his promos were only like thirty seconds, and he gave time people to absorb mm-hmm. it. Where this was like four minutes of him just rattling off these weird ass catchphrases. And I like I I don't know he 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 was always a really interesting wrestler to me. Like I thought like he had so much charisma and the crowd fucking loved him and he always had really interesting promos and his like everyone complained about him in the ring i thought he was just like he was like this like scrappy little guy and i thought that that was like i i, I thought that was interesting because it wasn't like he wasn't you know i feel like a lot of the smaller guys or the guys his size you know they're those guys on 205 live and they do crazy flips and shit and he's just like this scrappy tiny brawler and i always thought that was interesting like it may have been because his ring uh, like his ring skill wasn't where everyone else's were like was. Um, but I feel like it made him an interesting fighter at the same time. And I kind of miss, I, I kind of miss his performances. Uh, and I kind of, I wondered if we, if it would leave an opportunity for him to come back with everything that's happened here. Cause I mean, like there's been numerous instances of, uh, other accusations against other wrestlers and it seems like once they're cleared in a a lot of those cases you see them come right back and but at the same time it sounds like enzo had you know it's pretty widely known that he wasn't overly well liked and you know there was rumors that he had to change on his own because he wasn't allowed in the locker room because everyone found him annoying and everything like that um yeah so yeah i don't know if this will be one of those cases but it would be interesting to see him come back now and i mean like like as we saw during the cast match on backlash, people are still cheering for him. There's a big, we want Enzo chant going on at those moments. Yeah. So, um, which that was before the charges were, <laughs> or that was before everything was dropped. So that was a very inappropriate chant at that right. time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think that's going to be his biggest obstacle in terms of coming back. Assuming he even wants to come back, like in his rap, he made it kind of sound like he was somewhat bitter towards them releasing him. Um, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But he, his biggest hurdle if he does want to come back is his re- his reception and how people think of him in the back. But at this point, mm-hmm. I really do think, and I thought this before he got let go, but splitting up Enzo and Cass is a giant mistake. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of evident at this point now that we've seen how it's played out. And I feel like at this point, if you do bring him back, make him Cass's manager. Because Cass mm-hmm. is lost out there. Not just, I mean, he's gonna, he's lost in the ring and there's he nothing that Enzo a... could do to help that. But like his yeah. promos aren't that great he, either. And he has like zero charisma and you, he just feels like, yeah, he just feels like, like you go, you're playing 2k 18, you go to create a wrestler and you just hit go on the default guy. Yeah. Like, maybe you stretch him out a little like bit to make him big. So but <laughs> other than that, yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel in those games. I'm like, I just want to start. That's, that's exactly yeah. what big. I don't care what is. he looks like. I don't care what his move set. I'm sure he'll have um, a big boot here yeah, and a, no, it's, and a it, body slam there. That's all I could do with that for now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Enzo was a fucking king on the mic. And and as much as I thought, like, like the performance that he gave, that the, or the performances that he was giving when, you know, Big Cass was turning on him, I thought that was excellent. And I thought those were, like, those were highlights of those of those episodes of, of Raw where, you know, like, like Enzo just doesn't understand, like he, he sees Cass as a brother and he just doesn't understand what's happening. And I, I thought those moments were actually really powerful, but 
but yeah, if they could just have stayed together or if Enzo could have or could still become like a manager role. Although storyline wise, how do you explain that? Oh, because Well, I feel storyline wise, you could explain it easy because Cass's whole argument was that Enzo was holding him back and they would have been tag team champions if it wasn't for Enzo not being any good. Mm. But then right after mm-hmm. they split up, he won the Cruiserweight Championship. So you could always go back and say, Cass is like, oh, I realized I was wrong. Like, you went <laughs> on your own and you proved me wrong. And now we're going to prove him wrong together again and that kind of thing. So I, I think they could draw for that if they really wanted to explain that away. But then again, WWE doesn't yeah. explain, away, explain away contradictions. They have contradictions week to week, which true, we'll yeah. talk about when we get to the uh, Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey build. But uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But, uh, and one more tidbit of wrestling news that's kind of outside the wrestling world was that CM Punk's trial came and went over the past week, which if you've been, have you been reading the trial notes at all? A little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I obviously didn't follow at that time. So the content of it, I don't know a lot about, but I have been like reading the daily notes that have been getting posted and stuff like that. Yeah. And did you ever hear the podcast in question? I didn't. And I keep meaning to go back and listen to it. Um, just cause I feel like it would be really interesting. Um, but I feel like it has it been pulled or something like that. I, like I looked for it at some point. I don't think so. Excuse me. Like I looked for it at some point on the. Oh, I got the hiccups. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, I looked for it at some point on the actual like directory of that show, and I feel like I couldn't find it at that point. And then it looked like it was on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't have an opportunity to, to listen to it. Huh. But yeah, like either way, like the gist of the trial was that this is things been going on for like two or three years. Um. Although I don't know if it ever came out as official, but well, actually I'll get to this at the end because it's my own little theory and I don't know if it came out at all officially. I think it did at some point, but it's been so long that people kind of forgot. But regardless, it started years ago. CM Punk did his podcast where he was explaining why he quit. A part of the podcast he was saying that, and he never named the doctor by name as far as I remember. I think he said his name once, but in regards to something else. Okay. But yeah. he, never said the, he never said the name. He said that he had an infection that was untreated and that when he finally went to his wife's doctor, they said it was like, it was like staph and it could have killed him and they popped it. So the doctor took that as, so the doctor basically said it was defamation. They asked him during the trial, how was he, how was he affected? And he said he wasn't except for mean Twitter Mm -hmm. comments and some signs in the crowd. They tried to define what a lump was for a really long time. They tried to define what a doctor was for a really long time. He asked for $4 million, which was like a million dollars in damages. The doctor did, right? It was like... Yeah, which was interesting because it was... He talked about how it... Like in previous days, he talked about how it didn't affect his job or anything like that. And then like he asked for a million dollars in... Somewhere around a million dollars for... For emotional distress. And then... uh, one dollar for every view and download the podcast got which was like 3.9 million (laughs) so of course like the jury threw it out they found in punk's favor and now he has more time to prepare for his fight on saturday which he's totally going to win i would love to see that i i mean i and it it's not i I think every single person that was following the case at all was made the joke that like oh at least he's gonna have one win this week uh like that is probably the most unoriginal joke (laughs) that's ever been said but um 
I mean, it's been like how long it was UFC like 200, wasn't it? Which was like two years ago. Like he could have come a long way since then. Yeah. And not um, just that, but they got like the, ha- they got the biggest loser they could find to fight him this time. That's what I was going to ask is like, where is, cause who was the guy you faced before? Mickey, Mickey Gall, Mickey who was Gall. like, he wasn't like a huge who, fighter or anything, but. But how does this new guy, like, where is he ranked compared to where Mickey Gall was ranked? At so this guy has the same record as CM Punk, which is zero and one. Nice, and nice. he's a full-time journalist who only fights part-time. So okay. CM Punk's been training full-time for years now. So I... I And this whole, th- like, I, I remember, like, right after 200 when... Punk lost so fast and it was so disappointing. Like I remember them saying, like I remember Dana White talking about how he didn't like he didn't think that Punk would be fighting again in the UFC or whatever, like right afterwards. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I mean, it has to be a huge amount of money too. Like how many people are that don't traditionally or don't typically watch UFC, how many people are gonna buy that because Punk is fighting? Like it has to be so much money. Yeah. And like it, I don't know. I feel like the trials timing was on purpose because I think they might have been trying to keep him away from his training. Um, I think this, I think this whole thing was just super petty. Um, I don't know if WWE, my theory that I was talking about was, I don't know if WWE is bankrolling it on purpose. I mean, like explicitly, I think someone's might've said that they were a few years ago. Um, Like the bankrolling trial? Like, but I'm pretty, I Mm -hmm. feel like this whole thing, especially the information that came out and then it went all the way to the trial after two years and the doctor's best defense was people were mean to me on Twitter. It's like (laughs) this whole thing just screams of, Oh, they were just trying to bleed him of money. Like they Mm -hmm. were trying to punish Colt Cabana, which I felt really shitty. I I think, I think being mean to people on Twitter is just called Twitter. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, you know, I felt terrible that Colt Cabana got dragged into it. Like he, that would have set a horrible precedent that, if someone says something on your podcast that someone doesn't like, you could sue the podcast host, which I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we'd be swimming in lawsuits from the Geese Deep James podcast. Yeah. Um, the uh, like, like I said, I just feel like it existed to intimidate Colt and to drain Punk's money because they were upset that he slammed mm-hmm. them so bad. And did you ever see the video that they posted in response to the podcast? Like the one that WWE officially posted? It's a, it was like something about his yeah butt. it was just a video of the royal rumble that just says oh was did cm punk really have a infection you decide and then it was like a right. 10 minute video yeah. of them zooming in on his ass in slow motion repeatedly <laughs> um, during the royal rumble match so it's so it's, weird i mean this company and they have a history of being ridiculously petty um mm-hmm. if you listen to the podcast there's a lot of situations where they were petty towards him and it doesn't surprise okay, me yeah. if this whole thing led to well, this whole thing was caused because they were trying to dream and um, drain him of money because they were petty. And I don't know. I've heard, I've heard people go back and forth saying that the ruling included that they had to pay back all of his lawyer fees over the last two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. I haven't fed it, read anything official. If it is true, good. Cause then the whole plan kind of backfired it, assuming it was a real plan <laughs> to begin with. Cause that's mostly me speculating, but if not, yeah, right. I mean, even though he won the moral victory, at least he, like, then he's still out all that money, which kind of sucks. But he's apparently still really rich. Uh, but yeah, moving on, we got and now. Now he's got now, and now he just has to win his uh, physical victory. On uh, I mean, if Saturday. he loses, it's always Bellator, I suppose. But um, but yeah, <laughs> he could always go to WWE. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're big on those MMA people. Yeah, they love those MMA. They'll need a new Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's start speeding through some of this so we can get to our predictions. So, um, you wanted to talk about Oscar. 
I yeah, I just wanted to like just throw back to our pre WrestleMania episode when we all I think we were all universally we all universally said there was no way Oscar was going to lose and that if there if there was some universe where she did lose like as soon as that streak was over they wouldn't have any idea what to do with her and that's exactly what's happened and it's really disappointing I feel like um like the like she lost that and then she lost her debut match on SmackDown and then people keep beating her up now and and then Carmella was just literally I mean Oscar won last night, but in a she won a handicap match. But um, last night, Carmella was literally just talking about how she, you know, she's she's not undefeated. She's just defeated now, and oh, it's so bad. And I just miss when Oscar was this unstoppable force, and uh, and now she's just like she each. I feel like each week that goes by, she just fades a little bit more and more and more and more. And like six months from now unless something changes drastically like i don't know where we'll see her because it's it's just it's just disappointing i feel like they they the this i feel like the streak ending at wrestlemania like that was a fabulous like so unexpected such a surprise shocking like really insane moment and then since then like i feel like charlotte hasn't really been raised up that much but oscar has fallen so 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 far and it's yeah and it didn't help anything that charlotte like we were talking about earlier lost to carmella clean yeah and with i think oscar's problem is that in the wwe i don't think they really know how to book foreign baby faces because even even nakamura was like floundering so bad until he low blowed aj (laughs) And now he's yeah, now he's yeah, doing until great. He, yeah, and we, we yeah, and we talked about that multiple times. It was like he had this, he just had this like like aura around him through his whole NXT run, and then as soon as he came to WWE, until he turned heel, like aside from a really cool theme song, nobody really gave a shit. Um, but now, yeah, and now he's he's significantly more interesting now. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I feel like I don't think they're gonna want to turn Oscar heel anytime soon, but. Oh, and not to mention, they seem like they're setting up to try to have two of the worst segments of all time in the same in the span of a month, because now they're setting up Carmella's like <laughs> exposing. It's like the exact same thing as Sami Zayn. He's ex- she's going to expose Asuka as a fraud on the upcoming SmackDown. I was mm-hmm. like, shit, like <laughs> how much farther, how much more damage could they do to Asuka? But I mean, we'll see. I'm a huge Asuka's probably my favorite woman on the main roster, and it sucks to see her like this like in this position that you're describing but especially after such a strong start to the year with the winning the royal rumble and yeah which like kind of and the mixed match challenge and yeah and which kind of makes the royal rumble look useless because a lot of times especially lately it seems like the rumble winner loses the match so often which actually i'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, use that to true. transition into the new japan talk because we're just coming off of the best of super juniors tournament which is essentially like uh it's like a cruiserweight title but it's like it's it's treated almost as if the second of like the second belt in the company, like an intercontinental title instead. So it's not mm-hmm. like in WWE's cruiserweight division. It's like a kind of like a lesser title that they give to the people that they don't mm-hmm. know what to do with. Like the junior, <laughs> those, those yeah, like the dudes. juniors are often portrayed as like just under the just under like the main eventers level as far as like the top juniors. So the main event of or the finals of the tournament was. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori, who Ishimori just he was like a mainstay in a different Japanese promotion for years, and he just left to become a free agent. And he's been doing a lot of American indies lately. But 
a few weeks ago they re-debuted him in New Japan as part of Bullet Club. And it's I thought he was gonna win it, but that's mostly because I'm used to WWE booking, because WWE booking is usually if you're introducing someone and you want him to be strong, you just make him win everything immediately. And they were mm-hmm. teasing that he was gonna fight Will Ospreay, who's the current champion. So he made it to the finals. The winner of the tournament gets to choose any match they want, although I'm almost positive that there's never been a time that the winner of the tournament didn't choose a championship match with the current champion. So it came down to to, um, those two, and they had one of the most insane matches I've seen in a really long time. Like, it was the most hardcore match that I've ever seen without it actually being a hardcore match. But there's some insane spots. Like, at the very, and it's all at the very, all like the craziest stuff in terms of like quote unquote hardcore wrestling was at the very beginning Mm -hmm. because they start fighting in the crowd. They go to the top of the stands. They're fighting at the concrete, like the concrete aisleways. And then Hiromu hit one of his like trademark drop kicks where he runs at full speed at the other guy and dro- uh, does a flat back drop kick. And God, like they both slammed on the concrete so hard that I was terrified for them. And then almost <laughs> after that, and I've never seen this before, and I almost want you to watch it without spoiling it, but I know that you have limited time, so it might be a while before you would get to watch it. But like the craziest mm-hmm. spot to me in the match was like Takahashi went for a power bomb, like he was going to power bomb him on the stairs of the in the mm-hmm. aisleway where the fans are. Oh, really? And Ishimori reversed it into a hurricanrana, and hurricanrana did a hurricanrana on him down the stairs. And oh, <laughs> like wow. he tumbled all the way down. That sounds it looked horrible. really scary. Jesus. When they showed it again in slow motion, he pretty much took it like a forward roll. So it was like it looked relatively okay. safe, like as safe as falling down concrete stairs could be. But. Mm-hmm. It was a really good match. It went back and forth. It had a lot of great drama. Had some really scary moves, even in the ring. Like uh, he, like Takahashi tried to do a backflip when he took a clothesline at one point, landed right on his head, but like his body went one way and his neck went the other, and it completely looked okay, like yeah, he was yeah. dead, but he was fine. There was a pile driver spot where it looked like he landed right on his, where Ishimori looked like he landed right on his head, even though he, in slow motion, it looked like he hit his shoulders right at the last second, but. There were so many terrifying spots. And at the last second, surprisingly to me at least, um, Hiromu Takahashi won the match, which is great because which is great because I'm a huge fan of him and Los Ingobernables in general. But mm-hmm. not so much not as much with the junior tournament as the main G1 tournament, which we'll have later. But like wrapping back around to the Royal Rumble pe- winners losing. Uh, the tournament winners in New Japan often lose their title matches which kind of mm-hmm. makes the whole thing kind of moot in the end. But Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Takahashi has so much momentum that I feel like he really should win, even though Osprey a few months ago was teasing all these future feuds for the title, like with Rey Mysterio and with all these other people. 
So mm-hmm. my heart says Takahashi wins, but my brain says that Osprey <laughs> should win because they have this angle that he wants to be the greatest junior of all time and he wants to challenge Mysterio for the title and Mysterio hasn't fought him yet. So okay, I don't yeah, think yeah. he's, unfortunately, that Takahashi's winning, even though now would really be the time. It, it's also hurt because Takahashi and Osprey had a singles match just like a few months ago for the title. So it's not even like a new matchup. Um, but transitioning to that with Los Ingo Bernables, uh, the Jericho Naito feud got reignited. Um, the feuds mostly consisted of Jericho calling him a fuck face over and over again and Naito not giving a shit. Um, <laughs> Jer- I feel like this New Japan, like when he's part of New Japan, just because he has the freedom to do yeah. whatever he wants. It's like so it's just another level. It's so interesting. And he's like, it's in- it's interesting because he wasn't it like. Very recently, he was like, oh, no, I'm done with New Japan. And then he was just yeah. full of shit. The general rule is that if Jericho says something on Twitter to just think the opposite. <laughs> but yeah, did... I thought that when he said he wasn't going to be at WrestleMania, though, and then oh, he yeah. wasn't there. <laughs> did you watch the promo, though? Uh, I I haven't seen the most recent one, but I've watched a few of them. Like the first one was real to me, like people generally it seemed like love the first one, but I really didn't like the first mm. one. Where it seemed like to me he was on a hike and then he saw a turtle on the road and he was like, I should cut a promo about this turtle. (laughs) And then so he's like cutting his cell phone promo, which are actually a lot better than the WWE promos, though, because like how you were talking like like his cell phone promos, for whatever reason, feel a lot more legitimate, maybe because they don't happen all the time. Well, and did you I don't think that like he's probably actually using his cell phone, whereas the WWE ones, there was one recently where like the camera like it was it's just a full-on cameraman like and, and they're just holding their arm out like they're holding their cell phone but the cameraman moved and you just saw the wrestler's empty hand and it was <laughs> like it just was the worst thing oh i didn't see that that's funny uh yeah that'd probably explain it then but yeah jericho was like naito you're like this turtle because you hide whenever i'm nearby and he swore as much as he humanly as humanly possible within a span of three minutes uh called him fuck face and fucking idiot like a a thousand times Mm -hmm. i wasn't a big fan of that promo but the new one i thought was a lot better i think he only he managed to only say fuck twice during the whole promo but it seems like he's legit trying to get fuck face over as a as like a catchphrase okay yeah because he 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 ended his promo that's gonna be the chant i guess so fuck face (laughs) yeah like his the end of his promo he emphasized it with fuck face but his second promo was really good because it was like textbook jericho promo in terms of how he described how promo should be in one of his books where he is like build up your opponent Mm -hmm. but then build yourself up even more Mm -hmm. so like so you don't make your opponent look like too much of a loser so your win doesn't mean anything if you do win and that your loss means even less like even more if you lose Mm -hmm. but yeah he was basically just talking up naito saying he's the best in the company and he should have beat okada and he's going to win, lose, or draw. He's going to be more famous because Jericho's doing him a favor by giving him <laughs> world exposure. And now he's he he targeted him because he wants the world to recognize how great Naito is, and he can only do it by fighting like an international star like oh, him. that's interesting. But he's going to be known as the guy who lost to Jericho and all this stuff. It was, it was a really good promo. I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah, I will. As far, as far as the result of the match... I don't think Jericho's deal is long term and just from a ignoring like behind the scenes stuff from a booking standpoint. It's like I could see I don't see them giving it to Jericho because he does just kind of seem like a guest star. But with the booking, like it's been an ongoing storyline that Naito hates the Intercontinental title and doesn't want it. 
And he had the belt for like a year last year where he was pretty much feuding with the belt itself and was constantly destroying it. And this time around, they repaired the belt and gave it a new design. So this time around, he just doesn't carry it with him because they don't want to break it again. <laughs> but <laughs> Shit's expensive. So with the, the way the storyline's going, I really feel like Jericho has a good shot of winning it because it'll create a lot of buzz. They'll get, And he, it's funny, too, because he's claiming that if he wins this, he'll set a record and be like a nine-time Intercontinental Champion. But he's like counting his WWE oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, numbers. But yeah, I think Jericho has a good shot of winning it. But overall logic states that naito wins and naito's my favorite uh new japan wrestler so those two things combined make me think that naito will win it but it's not going to surprise me if jericho does Hmm. and then lastly for the um new japan show the big main event for dominion which is coming up this friday night saturday morning is okada omega 4 which is going to be a two out of three falls match with no time limit so there's not a whole lot to ad that hasn't been said about those two they put on some of the best matches that a lot of people have ever seen last year and by removing they have a lot to live up to and by removing these the shackles of a time limit now they can really have like a all-out crazy it's gonna be a four-hour match yeah because like the idea is that the first match omega lost the second match was a draw and then the third match omega won but it was part of the tournament not a title match so okay never lost the belt so this is supposed to be like the tiebreaker Mm-hmm. Okada going in says that he's beaten everybody, but he hasn't. He hasn't like emphatically beat Omega, and he wants to prove to the world that he's better than Omega, and he's ashamed of his be, having like a tied record with him. So he wants to do it to solidify that he's the best wrestler in the world. And then Omega's gimmick is that, or his angle is that he knows that Okada is a better wrestler than him, but in the environment of a two out of three falls match, that he can outlast him essentially. Mm-hmm. Because one, uh, because the two times that o- Okada didn't beat him, the first time was a draw where he couldn't get the job done in time, and the second time was in the G One tournament where Okada had already wrestled a bunch of matches beforehand. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's going into that. Um, it's exciting because of the two people who are in there, but also because it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Okada's broken every record that the company has, so now is a a, a great time for um, Omega to win it. Mm-hmm. especially because their next major show is going to be in America. Um, at the same time, personally, I think what they should do, because every year, for whatever reason, the champion's always in G1, and the G1 tournament is the equivalent of the Royal Rumble. Okay, like the winner yeah. of the G1 tournament gets the main event title shot at the at their version of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And every year the champion's in it, and every year the champion loses. I think if they really want to establish Okada as the dominant champion that they've been trying to establish him in as, I think what they do is that they have Okada win this, they have Okada win the G1, and then Okada picks his opponent. And that will be the setup for the WrestleMania, uh, the Wrestle Kingdom main event for next year. And the caveat to that is that every year the G1... I think there's only been a handful of times, but almost universally, the G1 winner loses the title match. (laughs) So I think it would be a really cool twist if Okada wins the G1. He's like, I don't know if he's the only champion, but I think so. So if he wins, let's just say he would be the only champion to win the G1. Mm -hmm. He picks his own opponent. And then at Wrestle Kingdom, the G1 winner loses. But this time it's the champion who won the G1. Right. And his own hubris kind of is what's his downfall because he was so arrogant that he puts himself in a position to where he thinks he's untouchable and ends up losing. Mm-hmm. So I th- that's where I think it's going. But 
again, I wouldn't be surprised if Omega wins it because now that Okada's broken every record, there's aside from the scenario I'm setting up, like I can't think of any other reason for him to keep it. Mm-hmm. So moving on from the New Japan talk, we're going to get into the shows that are coming up from uh, over the next couple of weeks from NXT and Money in the Bank. Feels like such a big gap this time, huh? Like going. Yeah, from it's a like point, six weeks, isn't it? Yeah, going from a point, and I mean, it's going to be. It's le- we knew it was going to be less frequent when they switched to the like dual brand. Every pay per view is dual branded, but it feels like so long this time, and which is good and bad. Like it's bad because I like a lot of pay per views. Yeah, um, you know, when it was every two weeks, I was like, yeah, like pay per view every two weeks, and it, and my fiance is just like, that's too much. This is terrible. Um. But yeah, this seems like a big gap, which in a good way, it lets you like a lot of the matches coming up for Money in the Bank and stuff like that, like feel like there's more weight behind them because they've actually had time to build them um, rather than when you have two weeks or or three weeks or whatever to build a pay-per-view. So that's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And this and like, it's weird. It's like, I think it's part of because of how bad Backlash was, but everything just especially to me feels like it has no consequence and it's just like so nothing. Mm-hmm. Like the last couple of weeks have been better because we're getting closer to the pay-per-view, but like the last, like the three or four weeks, like immediately preceding backlash just felt like it was n- absolutely nothing going on. Yeah, no, totally. But yeah, start, but starting with the NXT show, some of these matches I didn't even realize are on there. And I think that's kind of a testament to how <laughs> like inconsequential they are compared to some of the big matches that are happening mm-hmm. here. Like undisputed era versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Is there anyone who thinks that undisputed era is not winning this? I don't think so. Okay, so yeah, that, I mean that's really all there is to say about that. I didn't even realize Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch were still together. Well, and like uh, like Lars Sullivan versus Alistair Black, like has I and I've kind of been I've gotten more into NXT Weekly, but I'm a few couple of weeks behind, and I like I feel like the when when I remember watching Lars Sullivan was shortly after he came out, kind of, and he's just this big like yelly guy and. I, f- I feel like I just didn't feel like he was on the same like level as Alistair Black. And yeah. so is that still the case or has he come a long way since then? Well, here's the thing with him. It's like he's not there's, he's not bad. Like there's nothing about him that's bad. He actually has a really intimidating look and he sells being a he you looks know, like big a strong caveman guy. or something. Yeah, like he sells the gimmick of being like this big, strong monster really well. But for one thing, this is like main roster booking where you have the unstoppable monster going against the smaller champion. And the Mm -hmm. whole idea is, Oh, can he overcome this impossible, like this impossible feat of beating this monster? So I think it takes away a little bit from it because of that. Like in terms of Lars's development itself, the only thing that's really changed since he first started is that they're making him an intellectual. Okay. So like when he's on promos, he's like really articulate. And the whole Mm -hmm. idea is like, Oh, He's an intelligent monster. He's not like the stereotypical, like stupid lumbering sure. guy. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything in the ring. So, <laughs> and him and Alistair have barely interacted. Like this whole thing, this whole feud was set up as a backdrop to the Gargano Champa thing. Uh, okay. Okay. So it's, and it's nothing against Lars, but more than any NXT title match that I could think of in a long time, it really does kind of feel like an afterthought build. Right. And I think they were the match was just made official not that long ago, too, because initially after Gargano and Ciampa kind of uh, split off and were into their own feud and away from Alistair, then it became 
Velveteen Dream and Ricochet were fighting for the number one contender spot, mm. and then Lars interfered, and that turned into a triple threat, and then Lars won that, and that's how he became um, number one contender. So essentially, the title feud since the last takeover was first part uh, uh, was first an afterthought in the Gargano Champa feud. And then proceeded to become an afterthought in the Velveteen Dream Ricochet feud. And so now you're just left with the least popular of the five men involved in the number one contender slot going against Aleister Black with like two weeks of build. Right. So I think that's a big reason why people are kind of just kind of dismissing the match. Mm -hmm. Now, there's not a lot of weight behind it at this point. Yeah. And then two, it's like. They're both undefeated in singles matches, too, I believe. Like, Alistair okay. took the pin in that four-way where Johnny Gargano became number one contender a few months back, but he still hasn't lost a singles match, and I don't think Lars has lost any match aside from the ladder match at TakeOver. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like most of like most of these matches are just like, let's finish this match because Gargano and Champa hasn't happened yet. Yeah, pretty much, and uh, I think that does really kind of hurt the rest of the card. Um, it does, yeah. But as far as the women's feud... I'm just kind of invested in it because I'm a big fan of Dakota Kai and it kind of makes me sad to see the way they're booking her right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Or she's like a, a wrestler who's afraid of getting hurt. Like, <laughs> or she's afraid of Shayna Baszler in particular because Shayna supposedly broke her arm when she right. stomped her arm like months and months ago, which looked so fucking rough. Yeah, I, it really did. Like I, that yeah. spot was an amazing spot, but now I, like her, I, yeah, her character is pigeonholed into, Oh, I'm terrified of, Shayna Baszler and I get like PTSD and I can't talk <laughs> whenever she's nearby and they wrap that around into like Nikki Cross like the the member that Sanity left behind <laughs> to kind of defend her and kind of wrap that mini feud into the title feud where like the build is the build is good like there's nothing bad about it but at the same time it I, th- I don't know if it's because Sanity got called up so we know that Nikki's probably not far behind or I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because Shane is such a new champion, but there's like, no, I feel like there's no gravity to this match. And I don't think that anyone expects Shane to lose it. No. When I feel like I, like I don't have, I'm not overly invested in the pair of them together. I feel like Shane has been really an interesting character to watch though, just because like, I feel like her attacks and her matches they're almost not fun to watch because they just seem so brutal. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. And I think that that's like, like that is refreshing at the same time. Like it's it just having this, especially on the female side of things, just having this, like just this brutal character that is just tearing everyone apart type thing. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting. And with, with Shayna, I feel like this is what I want Brock to be. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like a scary, intimidating, dominant fighter who's not afraid I mean, to I'd use her. I'd settle just for Brock coming to work every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, that, but... that would be nice too. But like just to have her use her MMA background to like scare and intimidate people and make it look realistic. Whereas, you know, Brock, as we know for the last couple of years now, has just been essentially reduced to as many suplexes he could fit into <laughs> his allotted time and then mm-hmm. F5. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the match because they're both good wrestlers, but like I don't I'm not that invested in it either because of and my worst fear is I got to turn Dakota heel and have her screw over Nikki but that's like mm. again NXT doesn't usually do stupid crap like that so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen I'm hoping it ultimately <laughs> leads to Dakota Kai overcoming her fear and beating Shayna like at Wrestlemania that'd be pretty cool yeah and my biggest fear too about Shayna now is that now that Ronda's on the roster 
Like no matter how good Shayna is because of Ronda's popularity, she's always just going to be like lesser Ronda. Yeah. So I kind of hope they keep her in NXT for as long as they can get away with. But mm-hmm. they've also signed both of the other four horsewomen. So I feel like it's oh, really? a matter of time that. before all four, before Shayna comes up to the main roster just to specifically have their four horsewomen versus four horsewomen yeah. feud. But yeah, there you go. But yeah, I think the two biggest matches on the show are going to be Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Which should be really good. Like Velveteen is still kind of, he's still not the best wrestler, but he's he's re- good enough to where he can put on a really good show when he's in the ring mm-hmm. with the right person. And I think Ricochet really is the right person. Like I Ricochet think, has been phenomenal. Yeah. That's so cool. And they've done a really good job. Like NXT... does that a lot like how i was mentioning earlier with Sami Zayn being so good in as far as his personality like ricochet it's like he's not the most charismatic guy on the microphone or anything but they've done a really good job of of like exemplifying his strengths so even if you don't know even if you didn't know who he was before nxt like in the span Mm -hmm. of a month or two they've done a really good job of kind of showing how phenomenal he is what his reputation is um now, as far as the match itself, I really I was about to say that I think Ricochet was going to win because I think Velveteen is a guy who his character work is strong enough and people recognize that he's not necessarily the best wrestler yet, that he can still continue to gain momentum even by losing, which we saw in the Aleister Black match. But now that I remembered, like I think a week or two ago, their feud, like Ricochet, like interrupted uh, EC3 victory mm-hmm. and he was giving him this weird look so now that I remembered that and I literally remembered it while I was talking um, <laughs> EC3 hasn't really done anything since takeover since the last takeover and I'm yeah. really starting to think now that I'm remembering that that they're going to kind of jumpstart EC3 again by having him interfere attack Ricochet because he disrespected him or whatever and then have Velveteen pick up the win there is that a saw? You got some saws going on? Yo, yeah. There's someone doing construction outside my house. They're building that elimination chamber. <laughs> they're but, just next year. They're gonna do the first like 40 man elimination chamber. So I guess so. Just stack cage, <laughs> stack, stack cages on cages. Just multi multi layer. Yeah, like something like that. I don't know. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> it's like a, it's an elimination chamber on top of a, Pun- a Punjabi prison, on top of the old blue cage from the 80s. I thought the Punjabi prison was kind of cool, actually. <laughs> it was cool for it was cool, in... especially when the Great Khali showed up. Oh, God. <laughs> and then they completely <laughs> forgot about it. Um, but yeah, what what are you thinking about the Ricochet Velveteen match? I think it's gonna be. I think Ricochet has been super impressive in every like every instance I've seen him in. Um, the what like what's that? What is he? What's that movie does off the off the turnbuckle? It's like a 720 or something uh yeah yeah i think so and it's just like he's so he's so cool um he's got like a, he's got a really cool look and i think i feel like he's super talented uh and velvet like you said velvet dream like still is he, i think he's got a lot to learn ring wise but is such an interesting character um and and like like you said as well like when he's with the right people like you don't you you don't think that at all about him. You don't think that he's green or that he's newer or anything like that. And I think that this will definitely be one of those, um, those, one of those cases. 
I don't know. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. He's always, he's he's always got like interesting entrances and stuff too, which is something that's always fun to look forward to. But um, like Ricochet is one of those guys where because he just when did he debut? His debut match wasn't the last Takeover, was it? He had yeah, a couple before that. No, that was, the, was that was a debut match. Like, I remember, correctly. I feel like watching that match, I was like, I was like, why is he even in NXT? Like he, he should just be in the main roster right now. I think because they would probably slot him in 205 Live at this point. Like they need to prove to Vince mm-hmm. that he has value outside of flips, which is kind of like the battle that Finn Balor, well, Finn Balor is right before 205 Live, but I feel like right. That's true. Vince recognizes that Finn Balor has value outside of just being a small guy. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I could see because they just announced that leo rush is coming to 205 live uh, yes yeah i saw that and he's only Um, been in nxt for like well he's technically been in nxt for like four or five months but then he was like he was gone for a while after he had all that heat from kind of making fun of emma's release so oh right he just recently came back so he's only actually been on nxt tv probably for a combined month okay which i think he's already moving up to 205 yeah i think only roman reigns has been called up faster than that Uh, I mean, that's a record that could never be broken. Probably. It was Roman yeah. Reigns time. Did you ever yeah. see that promo? Which one? His NXT promo. I think he had one promo, and then a week later, he had his first match, and then a week later, the Shield debuted, if I remember correctly. That is fucking crazy. And his Shield gimmick was absolutely nothing. Like, his gimmick in NXT, in the two weeks that he had it, was just like an arrogant rich guy. And he had like this Rolex on. He's like... You see, he's, I have seen. I've seen pictures from that, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is going? He's like, on? you see this? You see what time it is? That's Roman Reigns' time, because it's his yard. But he's y- the big dog. But yeah, like, so who do you think wins it? Uh, I feel like Ricochet has to win it. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I could totally see that happening too. But I can also feel like it being one of those matches that builds both of them. Like, I don't think that that Velveteen losing in an instance like that because of the way, because of the story that I'm sure they're going to to tell in the ring. Like, I feel like they both come out of it looking pretty awesome. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. And then speaking of the story, probably the most story heavy match of the show, maybe in the entire company right now is Gargano (laughs) versus history. Yeah. Gargano versus Ciampa this time in a street fight, which I don't, I guess the only difference between a street fight and an unsanctioned match is this one will be recorded, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I wonder. Maybe they'll actually go out on the street. Maybe. Maybe they'll fight in jeans like Jericho like did. The, they use the word street fight, but there's, you know, there's, there's, there's always a lack of street in those in those matches. Yeah, and the only matches I've ever seen in the street are never actually street fights. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like, like the promos and stuff building up to this one, like Candace has just done with it. She's like, I can't see you going through with this, like blah, 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 street fight. But like the unsanctioned match, I don't remember what her attitude was before that. But um, but yeah, it's basically the same thing, except that like they're both healthier, uh, apparently. So why like like why not? Yeah. Aside from the fact that they like it feels like they want to kill each other is the big thing. Yeah. And like speaking of Candice, like there's no way that she doesn't play some kind of role in this match. And I feel like how they use her in this match is going to make or break how people see it. Have people see the match. Yeah, because if she gets too involved or takes away from it, I think people might be unhappy. If Mm -hmm. the worst case scenario I've seen people propose is that she turns heel and joins Ciampa because because how she said that line on Twitter where like she can't support her husband becoming everything he hates. Like Mm -hmm. maybe she tries 
she's trying to stop him from becoming what he hates by siding with Champa and helping him beat Gargano. Or even if she tries to hit Champa and misses and accidentally hits Gargano, which leads to Champa oh, winning. Yeah, I could see like, something like that. Yeah. That's the only thing that I'm worried about where I'm thinking this match might not be as well. Very few matches would ever be as good as that last one anyway. But yeah. I feel like a finish like that or like any of those scenarios I was mentioning would really kind of take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I feel like Ciampa has to win this one because he lost the last one. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily. Where do they go from there? Yeah. I'm not necessarily a proponent of the usual back and forth booking that WWE does. But in this case, like Ciampa is easily their top heel. Maybe like mm-hmm. again, maybe in the entire company, not just NXT. And to have him lose constantly isn't going to be doing him any favors, especially since you're going to need heel contenders with the face Alistair Black as champion. Right. So I could comp- I, I think Ciampa wins this. Whether or not Candice gets involved is debatable. I think she will be involved at some degree, but I hope she's not like the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that Ciampa wins and then Gargano moves up? I think because Gar- I feel like they teased that like a couple months ago with with uh brian saying that he wanted gargano on smackdown and then i which i feel like was it was cool that he said that and then gargano's like oh yeah thanks man but i've got some some work to do first yeah like i feel like that was really neat and i feel like that could be a good opportunity for that to happen although that does that with them both having a win and a loss does that leave does that leave something like 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 lacking is it lacking at that point because there's not a definitive end to their feud which has been probably like it's been the best feud since i've started watching yeah and i mean from everything that i've read it might be it's like one of the best feuds ever it sounds like so um so how would like because them both having won one match doesn't feel like a solid resolution so how if one of them then moves on how does that how does that make you feel about the 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 feud as a whole well there's two ways that i look at it whereas one I think that I think Gargano loses, but he doesn't get called up right away because they're already so full of call ups that they don't know what to do with. I mean, they've been teasing sanity for like two months and they just disappeared. So I think it's just a matter of they don't really have enough space right now or Mm -hmm. or ideas, really. So I think what I think is going to happen is that he loses. He disappears for a while. Ciampa beats Aleister Black. And then you go into takeover at WrestleMania with Gargano challenging and have Gargano win the third match, win the NXT title at WrestleMania weekend. And then at that point, probably call up Ciampa. But I see them both as a Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens scenario where they don't necessarily have to like their feud could essentially be they'll be intertwined forever. They could be a tag team. They could be feuding. Like one of them could win 10 times before the other one wins once, but it's still always going to be like a heated feud because they're so locked into each other's stories. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, in, in a case like this, I feel like whether or not, like even if it does end up being one and one and Gar- Gargano just gets immediately called up, I don't think it'll really make me think any less of the feud because as soon as Ciampa comes up too, they're just going to pick up right where they left off kind of how Sammy True. and Kevin did. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Until Vince completely forgets about it. And and then we'll look forward to the final match between Ciampa and Gargano and then have a rematch two weeks later. (laughs) But yeah, so moving on from NXT. And then they'll be friends again. Yeah, and then they'll be friends again. They'll save Gargano, will save Ciampa from going through a table. Which I feel like that, like as much as as entertaining as KO and Zayn could be together, I feel like it definitely, like it took away from that 
like first year or whatever when they were both up in WWE and they just you could just feel the hate between them and the matches that they had were great and then like whenever there was a ladder involved and and KO would just get absolutely destroyed um I feel like it kind of it like them partnering up again it kind of cheapened that I feel like um well, just because like I don't know I feel like hate like that doesn't go away Well I thought that I thought that it would it could have been good if they like if they planned it right but it the as entertaining as the pairing is it kind of hurt both of them cuz KO stopped mm-hmm. being con- like looked at as a main event talent like he was losing right. a lot more you would think that Sammy turning would lead to him winning more like the whole purpose he for him turning was he said he saw Kevin was right and you needed to take shortcuts to get ahead because he was doing things the right mm-hmm. way and kept losing but yet I, i'm almost positive his win record's worse now than it was when he was a baby face like i thought that what it was going to lead to is that sammy was going to get more and more heelish to the point where he starts out healing kevin and then it would eventually turn on kevin and then renew their heated rivalry by having kenny uh kevin be the baby face and oh and, and um sammy being like the out of control heel but yeah. instead yeah, now cool. they're kind of just quietly separating them and they're both like Kevin's going to being inched more towards the main event, but now Sammy's just kind of this goofy heel in the worst storyline of all time. So in the end, like in hindsight and ended up leading to nothing. But at the time I was thinking that it was an interesting dynamic that could have led to a lot of interesting directions, but now we have Bobby's mm-hmm. sisters. So um, <laughs> the most interesting direction of all, yeah. <laughs> or at least we know that Bobby loves us. <laughs> Um, but yeah so transitioning to money in the bank um well might as well just go a little bit out of order and start with bobby and sammy since we were just talking about it and to continue with tradition i think sammy Zayn loses to bobby lashley i would agree with that and it's gonna be uh, well and the match is the match i'm sure will be fine but like uh i just hate this thing i hate it so much and i i hate very little like, not just in terms of WWE, but in my life, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you know I love I, I love things as much as Lashley loves his sisters. Yeah, and I hate this. <laughs> I hate it's, it. It's the it's the Canadian in you. You can't help but just be positive about everything <laughs> and gracious and courteous. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but oh, yeah, God, well, you, you know, I don't even know what there is to say about it except like fuck. Fuck this whole thing. As as much as I want Sammy to put up a a fight and look good in this match, I just want this shit to be over in like 10 seconds and just move on with our lives. Um, But yeah, this has to be an especially shitty month if like you hate so much. Like you hate you hated Enzo's rap. You hated everything that had to do with Lashley. We spent the first like 30 minutes talking about how much backlash was terrible. It's true. Maybe. Yeah, that's well. And like I was saying before we started too, like after backlash, I feel like I just like cared less in the month fall like like in the month following like i i i just watched bits and pieces of raw and smackdown aside from this week um and it, I, maybe it's like this week is it's been long enough that i can like i'll be like okay i'll trust you again uh <laughs> and actually watched it but um yeah i don't know i don't know if it's like like i've been less focused on ensuring that i watched every moment of wwe content since backlash than i typically have been and i don't know if it's like the last month has seen some really good video games come out that i've been playing uh we've also seen total bella's return which i caught up with that before i caught up with like Ron <laughs> uh, oh god and yeah and cena speaking of cena and nikki back on do you think they were ever really off 
I don't. But is the back the back on is not official either though. Hmm. Okay. But but like because that's just like that's like oh they've been seen together and there's rumors that they're like back back on. But I feel like with the st- have you been watching Total Bellas? I haven't watched D- Total Divas or Bellas since like 2014. <laughs> Dude, you're missing out. It's the best. It's the, the best, best wrestling. WWE yeah, it's the best WWE programming on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the way that they're playing this out because they are. Yeah, like they are um, kind of around the time of the Women's Royal Rumble and the episode immediately following that, like they are, they're like, they like secretly break up or something like that. Like, and Nikki's talking about how it's so hard because they're like not together, but everyone thinks they're together. And I'm like, this is just a hundred percent fake, isn't it? Like, like, cause there's no way that that happens and they break up in, january or february and then their wedding gets called off like in april like like that just doesn't make sense um but it does feel and right from like the opening moments of this season of total bellas it's like it's like it's just so heavy on the tension between them in the in their different values um in terms of kids and stuff like that and like brie is just constantly poking the bear like don't you wish you had a baby don't you wish you had a baby like it's just it just feels it feels more fake than, than it typically does, I feel like. But the drama is so good at the same time. I can't get enough yeah, of it. Yeah, like, I I don't remember when I stopped watching, but, and I know that reality shows have a level of, like, you know, they have a level of scriptedness to it, just like wrestling. But, like, there was something that happened that was so ridiculously out there, and they were expecting me to buy it as being real. And I, I can't <laughs> remember what it was right now. But, like, I um, I think it was, like, whatever the season finale of, of the first season of total divas was it was something stupid that happened i know there was one episode where the one uso was acting like he was going to break up with naomi over one argument and then they immediately made up at the end and i was like (laughs) this is stupid like um and then i think i had already stopped watching it but then i heard about it so then i heard the clip but going back to wwe's pettiness um it was right after like aj lee had always not wanted to be on total divas and they made a whole feud out of it but they never really mentioned her on Total Divas. Like they would show her getting beat. Like every time they would show her, it would mm-hmm. be like Nikki beating her or one of the Total Divas beating her. <laughs> um, but then like right after she quit, like I th- one of the first episodes after she quit the company and she's married to Punk and they have all that. They showed backstage during her last WrestleMania match. It was her and Paige versus the Bella Twins. And it, ha- it added nothing to the episode. It had nothing to do with any of the plot lines. But they show like Naomi and natalia and everyone gathering around the tv backstage watching the match and the only time they ever acknowledged aj lee on this entire show was them watching the match and then natalia's just like oh aj so sloppy oh she's always so lazy Ugh. <laughs> like she's so terrible and i'm like fuck you guys man like, <laughs> <laughs> like i'm never watching this show stupid. again it, like you could tell they just plugged that in there to make her look bad or like to mm-hmm. insult her on the way out <laughs> and i'm just like jesus this company um <laughs> But yeah, speaking of Jesus's company, um, on Money in the Bank, we also have the exciting rematch of Cass versus Daniel Bryan. And I thought Cass, did, like like two weeks ago, he was injured again. Yeah, and it ended up being a storyline, which we found out when they bait and switched us on SmackDown, where they hyped mm-hmm. up a match between Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan for the last Money in the Bank spot. And then in the middle of the promo, Cass comes out and he's like, oh, Paige canceled the match and didn't tell anybody and now I'm going to be in the match when I'm healed and I'm healed now and then he's 
like the whole thing ended up and the funny thing too is he was supposedly injured but then he wrestled every house show and then every house show match ended with him re-injuring the leg i yeah but then i thought like yeah because i remember reading that that he was like getting helped out at every house show or whatever but then and then i thought he actually legitimately got injured yeah i got swerved um like of all the of all the times where they legitimately swerve people it's with big casts yeah one why are they doing like why are they doing this they've got like literally the miz is on smackdown now the miz and daniel bryan has like the makings of being something phenomenal and then even at backlash because at backlash they were originally like like originally they showed that the miz and daniel bryan would both be on there and i was like oh shit this is where it starts and then and then one of them wasn't there daniel bryan wasn't there i think um oh because he got like like he had to get carried out or whatever yeah didn't he um so yeah so that was super disappointing and then now they're like what you're are you just wasting time and then there's the rumor that they like don't want to get brian into anything super like like that they need to get super invested in because he hasn't re-signed yet but i feel like there's no way he doesn't re-sign because he's 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 wrestling again for the company that he's he's done so much work for and loved and that his wife is still a part of and you know everything like that i like i don't see him leaving but i I do see him leaving if they they keep giving him shit like this to do like like he came back from a three-year like career ending retirement to fight big Cass over and over again yeah it's like i don't know i mean i know he even said in interviews though that he wanted to work with younger talent to help them out but this isn't working and i don't know it didn't it and i feel like i'm all for that but like like in terms of get like getting people super into Brian again. And, and like, like those, the stuff with the Miz, that is a storyline that, that what, you know, how much of it was real and how much of it wasn't, who knows, but that has been building for so long. And the Miz like stealing the yes kicks. And every time he does the yes kicks, the, the commentators argue about the yes kicks or the it kicks or whatever. Like, like they have just built it so hard and then now are completely ignoring it now that he's back and it's fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, I, I think they're just trying to stall because they want it to be like a marquee match at like, say, SummerSlam is my guess. And But if it's a marquee match at SummerSlam, you should be building that right now. Like SummerSlam's yeah, two months away. I know. You're right. 100% right. But WWE also has a habit of booking week to week and not even really <laughs> knowing what's going to happen the, like in the upcoming pay-per-view, let alone like four months from now. So unfortunately, yeah. I think it's just a matter of they want to save the match, but they also don't want yeah. to build it up now, even though they should, because they just don't do like, it. Like I feel like way. that could be like a year. I could watch that feud for a year. We could we could have a year long feud. Yeah, definitely. Them. I mean, we basically have just without any wrestling. Like. Plus, like, and Brian's really gonna have to watch out for Miz after watching his pancake dodging skills. Did you see that? <laughs> like he like I was legitimately impressed. Like he hit every single pancake that they threw at him. Um, but yeah, I think Brian wins this. Uh, actually, wait, do I think Brian wins this? Uh, yeah, I think Brian wins this. I feel like Brian can't lose against Big Cass in this manner. Like, yeah, I, I feel like they want to build up Cass, but I feel like it's not working and they should recognize that it's not working and they shouldn't sacrifice Brian's momentum and his comeback for the sake of trying to get someone over who at this point is really not any good. Which kind of back to what we were saying mm-hmm. with Enzo, Cass was actually pretty good on the mic when he was when Enzo got injured for a while and he was solo in NXT for a little bit. He was pretty good on the mic, mm-hmm. but he was like a babyface comedy character that was not exactly like Enzo, but like an extension of the Enzo character. So it's not like he's 
bad on the mic altogether, but this whole serious, intimidating guy just does not fit him at all. And like Mm -hmm. going with this as his heel character, it's like how I said earlier, they only know how to book foreign heels. Like they only know how to book large heels one way. And that's like big, intimidating bully. And it's not everybody's a big, intimidating (laughs) bully. And I think Cass is a example of that. Um, But yeah, moving on from that, the Bludgeon Brothers versus the club. I forgot this match was happening. Bludgeon Bludgeon Brothers are winning. Yeah, there's no chance there. Did you see the, did you see the, the, was it Harper? Yeah, Harper lost on SmackDown last night though. Oh no, I didn't see. Uh, Yeah, it was just like, like it was um, the Bludgeon Brothers were, or it was because it was Anderson versus uh, Harper and Harper was dominating for pretty much the whole match. And then it was like a roll up out of nowhere type thing. Oh, um, of course. I, yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say that they had a really good match for a second because Anderson in New Japan, especially, was like really a really, really good singles wrestler. Yeah, like it was a it just it it just felt like it was I mean, the 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 way that they've been booking the Bludgeon Brothers are just they can't like they can't be hurt, basically. And that's that's very much what this felt like. They, um they get 50% buffs when they're together. That's what it is. Yeah, they get 50% buffs when they're together and a 25% buffs when equipped with hammers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. There's no way the Bludgeon Brothers don't win. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, like I feel like they are, they're, they're a really interesting tag team because they, they, they feel old school because it's just this weird, cheesy gimmick. Like you come out with these foam hammers and you have like <laughs> Team Rocket promos and I, it's, it's, it's super entertaining. Uh, and I love like like their their uh, like charisma in the ring together, and, like the way that they like throw each other at the enemy and like smack each other. Like it's just this super interesting dynamic that they have. Um, yeah, and every, I mean the club is like like I feel like, and we've talked about it before, but in D- WWE they're very whatever. Um, like everyone talks about how great they were, but they don't have a chance to be, whether it's because of the booking or because of the limitations of the PG show or whatever, they don't have the ability to, to be themselves all that often. Like, like yeah. just fucking running around calling people <laughs> nerds and stuff. And it just seems like, like we're like, you're an adult, like you're, you're an adult and you're calling people nerds all the time. Like, yeah. This like I think not... a big, a big part of it though, is that like when the bullet club started, they were kind of like a bunch of immature Americans, mm-hmm. like, cheating to win in japan and like finn balor and them were pretty much the uh, were really similar in personality to what the club is now but the difference was they were also treated as threats in the ring mm-hmm. and they were they were able to show off their charisma and stuff whereas the club i don't think's cut a promo this is like the first promo they've cut in months they mm-hmm. never win so you don't take them seriously totally and to the the worst i think the biggest one of the biggest things that's kind of understated about why they're kind of floundering is that um gallows has never really been a good worker but okay. he's, you know he's been a good he's been like a good heavy to back up anderson but anderson's been the worker of the team so he was able to really put on a lot of sh- exciting showcases and work really well with gallows to kind of build that tan- that team tandem mm-hmm. but in wwe because of the way they book they see anderson as just the small one so when yes, they wrestle, it's like Anderson just takes all the damage and then tags in gallows to like and clean house. There's a house. hot tag so he can yeah, so he can clean house. So like the better the better wrestler of the two doesn't ever really get to do much and he's usually the one that takes the pins when they wrestle. Mm. So it's like they're kind of hindered in personality and in in ring work, so it doesn't really help. I really mm-hmm. they should just be associated with AJ. 
and, yeah, and when they were on raw they should have just been associated least, yeah. like they they'll they'll stick them with them when they need like a something to do for a week like when they don't have any ideas for aj they'll have them team up with him or mm-hmm. they, but that's the extent of it where i feel like it should be treated more as a if not a full-on stable then it should be treated more as they how they treat seth and roman where it's like they're not officially together all the time but when one of them needs the other they'll always you know they'll always pop up Mm -hmm. um but from there we could speaking of seth rollins we'll talk about rollins versus elias which with the hot streak that as hot as elias is seth rollins is having like an all-time great run (laughs) right now yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's way too soon to take the belt from him. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking Seth wins it. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, and Elias has been super entertaining. Um as kind of ho like ho hum on him for a while, but he's I feel like he's they're giving him all these like his songs and stuff at this point are so funny and I look forward to them every week and um I feel like he really clicked for me after the like like after his instance with Braun when Braun came out with the like giant like stand up bass or whatever. Yeah. Like at that point, it was just like like that is what cha- turned it around for me. And it and it, he seems like he's the same as he was before that. But that moment was just so entertaining for me that that's kind of where he turned around for me. And the whole walk with Elias thing, WWE stands for, and his merch has been really good. Like I feel like they put together this really complete package for him, uh, and it's super entertaining. But yeah, like like ever since that, uh, like I think Seth it was when he kicked off with that gauntlet match. I think like ever since then it's been just absolute straight fire and it's been, it's been wonderful and he's yeah, it's, I agree. It's way too, it's way too early to take that belt off of him or to end that, that momentum that he's got. Yeah. Like if anything, I I was watching part of the gauntlet match yesterday and that match was just so ridiculously good. And it was such an amazing showcase for Seth. And Mm -hmm. I really think he should be the next challenger for the universal title to be honest, yep. but I don't think it's going to happen. I, it seems like they're setting up Roman again, which is bizarre, but we'll get to that <laughs> next. Cause I wanted to talk next about Roman versus gender, which is mostly a nothing feud. Jinder um, says he doesn't get enough respect, even though he hasn't done anything. And then Roman says there's a conspiracy against him to take, to keep him away from the title, even though he's been mm-hmm. given like five title shots in the last two months. <laughs> um, then they just started fighting because Jinder was mad that he didn't get a money in the bank spot. So he screwed Roman. They Roman speared Jinder through this a sounds wall. Sounds like our main event right here. Yeah, right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. Um, <laughs> they had Roman spear Jinder through a wall that wasn't even that they didn't oh, even make was, an attempt to make look like a real wall because there was a was, hallway with signs like, right behind it. It was like a, a cool moment, but then as soon as you're like, oh what? Like it's just a hallway. Like <laughs> as soon as you as soon as like the second of coolness is over and you kind of you, you're looking at that fallout, you're like, oh that this has just been set up. See, and this is a this is a this is soon to be a one billion dollar company like one billion dollar plus company for producing this kind of quality television. Um, but yeah, a month ago, I would have said, I thought Jinder had a chance because I thought they were kind of trying to build up a losing streak for Roman after losing to Brock. But after he beat Samoa Joe in such a nothing fashion there, yeah, Roman, Roman wins, LOL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I just wonder what variety of Superman punch spear pin we're going to get this time around, but, um, 
I don't know. Maybe it could be different. Hopefully it's different. Hopefully it's not that, yeah. but it'll probably be that. We'll have to see if he's able to overcome Jinder's devastating finisher of distraction by Sunil Singh. <laughs> um, I feel like we got to be getting the the other Singh, Singh brothers got to be coming back soon. huh? It's been a long time. Uh, hopefully so. I, uh, I'm sorry. Like the only thing I really think of when I think of the Singh brothers nowadays is, I don't know if you remember, I, and we might've even talked about it, but when Kid Rock made that, like body slam a liberal joke at the hall of fame and there was that shot of like aj styles like hucking it up and he was like laughing so hard and kicking his oh, feet yeah, yeah, and like yeah. right behind him like the Singh brothers are just looking all upset like all like <laughs> mad and i was like, <laughs> I was like oh that that that's if that wasn't a picture of america nowadays i don't know what is um but yeah so moving moving on from that um oscar versus carmelo for the women's title I'm deathly afraid that Charlotte, that Charlotte, I'm deathly afraid that Carmella's winning. I can, well, I ask, can they be, can, they, can that happen? I ask, but yes, it can. I think <laughs> that's it. I am also scared of that because there's no way it should happen. I mean, there's no way that Carmella should have been able to pin Charlotte clean either, but that happened. And that like, that made me think that anything is possible. And well, and do you, well, it's a title match though. And like, I was going to say, like, do you think, cause we've seen kind of this going on with like Mandy Rose and Sonya as well with like, like beating up Oscar and stuff like that. Like I was, I'm like, do we think there's some interference from them? But it then like, well, I wonder actually if, is that, is that the way that Carmilla keeps the title is getting disqualified or something like that? Because there's as much as Oscar has fallen recently, there's no way that Carmella should be able to win clean against her. Yeah. I'm that's how I'm thinking this is going to play out is that Carmella or Oscar wins by disqualification. Mm-hmm. Um, but you knowing how WWE books, all that's going to do is put off Carmella eventually beating her. Cause she's, you know, she's going to ask for a rematch because she was right. DQ'd. And then whether or not it's on SmackDown or the next pay-per-view one way or another, even if Carmella loses by DQ here, I think she does beat Asuka eventually, which is going to be completely hideous. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then where does Asuka go from there? Um, Probably wherever like she's just tumbling down a mountain pr- right now. Probably down to catering with Becky Lynch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Asuka does win the belt too eventually, but I think they're going to wait for a bigger stage. And I think they might, if they do do it, I think it might be off the back of a heel turn, but Mm-hmm. They don't seem do you like, think like SummerSlam or do you think that's too far away? I think I think SummerSlam's too soon the way they're booking her. Like if she legit loses to Carmella and loses this feud, I think she just goes on the back burner for a while. Because yeah, they also, right. as much time, I mean, this is more of an issue for SmackDown since they're a shorter show, but as even on Raw, as much time as they have on Raw, they typically only ever have time for one women's feud. Yeah. And it's true. usually the title feud. Like they'll have small things here and there like, lana and naomi but even that's tied to the money in the bank match mm-hmm. and they had uh becky beat charlotte last night oh yeah yeah i heard about that too yeah but i kind of saw it because they had a they had an instagram post on w the wwe channel had an instagram post that was like it, it had their record against each other and it was like becky's won three and charlotte's won four and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Becky's definitely winning because she's not going to win money in the bank and because this match means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so just to get that number tied, that like, I don't know, it didn't do anything for either of them, I don't think, but it didn't hurt any, either of them either. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, it was kind of cute, actually, because they were st- still very friendly throughout, like they did their tea time thing and everything like that. But uh, 
isn't that uh, like what ha- isn't it funny how wrestling Sorry. logic works though where it's like i'm pretty sure like right like the last time becky and charlotte interacted right before charlotte came to smackdown was they were like bitter enemies and then it's just because oh, she's yeah. a baby face like the next time they see each other they're like best friends yeah yeah um uh, how like i don't know we'll talk about it after but i would love to see becky win the money in the bank match i would too but but it but i would bet my life savings like all seven dollars that it would not happen yeah and then we could transition that and both because we're running both because we're running long and because i feel like it ties directly into the raw women's match we'll just talk about those two together because i fully believe at this point that natalia's winning money in the bank and then immediately cashing in on ronda and like double crossing her friend quote unquote and well and i like ah that i feel like that kind of fits i feel like like there's not room carmela like dangled that carrot for so long that i feel like there's not room to have like the woman this year hold on to that briefcase for so long because as interesting as interesting as it got at times like like it she cashed in basically a month before the next money in the bank which felt like too long Mm -hmm. um but yeah i could see that well and they've kind of done that they've kind of they've why else build that friendship between them unless you're going to break it down? Like Rhonda didn't really need that. Natalia didn't really need that. Like, and the thing is I've never, I mean, a lot of people are going to, a lot of people online that I've been reading have been saying like, Oh, it's going to be, if they do that, like Natalia will turn heel. But in my perspective, like Natalia was a heel. And then as soon as she moved to raw, she was all of a sudden just Rhonda's friend. And to me, and that's the only way we've only really seen her like, yeah, and other than that, she still seems fairly healy. Yeah. So it's like in my perspective, I assume she's never really been a baby face and she's just been trying to get mm-hmm. close to Rhonda because she was afraid of her or because she wanted to have the baddest woman on the planet on her side. And then as soon as she sees mm-hmm. the opportunity to screw her over, like she'll do it here because. Um, mm-hmm. And that could start an interesting feud as well, because I feel like like Rhonda aside, like following WrestleMania, where that kind of feud was built up based on the like what Kurt Angle said that that Stephanie and uh, and Triple H has said, like, aside from that, like this just this feels like this just feels like a match like Nia invited Ronda to be the next challenger for her title. And there's been some animosity in like since then, but mostly mostly with like uh, Stephanie poking the bear, like during the contract signing and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, no, I feel like like it, she needs a feud and that would be a that would be a pretty powerful feud to jump into. I think. Yeah. And you've got one of the most, like the most mature and, and longest standing female wrestlers, um, you know, and the, uh, versus this newcomer that is extremely talented. Like, I feel like that could be fairly interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, was that who you were leaning towards as far as the money in the bank or. I, I, I think that now that you said it, there's nothing else that makes as much sense. Like, I feel like, like, Alexa doesn't need it at this point. Charlotte doesn't need it at this point. Um, Becky, I, I would love to see Becky win that title uh, or win the briefcase at least, but I don't think in a million years that that would happen. Um, I mean, you can't count out Lana. She I, is the best. She's number one. So I, and I feel like that would be interesting, but I feel <laughs> like, I feel like she kind of shows up to wrestle around money in the bank, but then they never give her opportunities. Otherwise, aside from being like a body in a multi-person match. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Cause I feel like she's a really interesting character at the same time, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's either going to be Natalia or I could see like Ember moon surprising us. And like, I don't know that she's really like built that much on 
um, like like since she came up to the main roster. But I feel like that could be a huge amount of momentum for yeah. her. But then again, like Carmelo was pretty new as well when she got it. So giving it to another like she's that like looking at the list of competitors, she's the newest face on that list. So would they do that again? Um, you know, just a year after doing it in the first right, place. Right, right. And then, yeah, so, so yeah, so from the money in the bank, um, kind of established that. So without, goes without saying, we think Ronda beats Naya, which this feud's so weird too, because mm-hmm. Naya just turned face. Uh, Alexa accused her of being a bully. Then she proceeds to bully this jobber and act like a heel. But this week she was acting like a baby face again and was all concerned for Natalia getting hurt. So this, I don't know, from week to week, it's like, it just, different it's like completely different people are writing the show from week to week and we know that's not the case so yeah yeah. but yeah so i mean that's pretty much all there is to say about those matches and then our last two i and that'll be interesting to see though because like ronda you like both following her mma career obviously everyone's kind of the same size and then she's only had a couple of matches since then has it been a couple of matches or just she's had a few house show matches but i don't think she's had an official match since mania yeah, and so seeing a singles debut, but also seeing a singles debut against someone who's a significantly different size than what she's used to, I feel like that'll be super interesting yeah, to see. Yeah, but I, I really kind of hate how the ang- the angle is built on this idea that Ronda can't get an armbar on Naya when like we've seen Asuka tap out Naya in armbars like before. <laughs> like it just happened a few months ago where she had an armbar. Only this week exists, yeah. <laughs> okay? Nothing yeah. before. That's why, that's why Naya was a bully last week after after giving a motivational speech about anti-bullying like three weeks prior to that. Um, but yeah, uh, so the last two matches on the show are Nakamura versus AJ, which is to me is a very, very hard match to predict because if Nakamura wins, then you would assume that AJ would have to have a, a rematch and that would be like the fourth or fifth. If you count Greatest Royal Rumble, it'd be like the fourth match between the two in this feud, which is way too many. And I feel like they've kind of ran they've kind of like drained the well with this feud a little bit, especially with the, yeah, the poor so. endings kind of like sucking the excitement out of it. What were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, oh, I wasn't going to say anything. And then, um, but on the other hand, I feel like if Shinsuke loses here, this, it's a similar situation with Asuka. Like he's kind of dead in the water. Like, where do you go with him now? Yeah. Not just that, but where do you mm-hmm. go with AJ if he wins? Like he's beat everybody. And like, He's beat everybody. Shinsuke's whole like heel turn and theme song change and everything like that has been based on his actions and motivations through this feud. So yeah, what what happens next? Who's the, who's the next feud for him? I mean, one way or another, I could see win or lose. I think, or does he just fall to the main? Yeah, card that's again? A, that's the thing. I'm thinking that one way or another, Shinsuke's next feud is Daniel Bryan. Whether or not it's for the title or whether or not it's in the mid card depends on what mm. happens here. But mm-hmm. I think that the benefit of Shinsuke winning is a lot bigger than the benefits of AJ winning because then you have a new champion, a heel champion who could face a lot of new challengers. It kind of opens the doors a little mm-hmm. bit more. It validates his heel turn, which is my biggest fear is that he loses and all of this has been for nothing and he's kind of just lost. Um, and whereas with AJ, he's big enough at this point where he doesn't need the title anymore. And aside from that, like we said, like he's fought pretty much everybody for the title at this point like right Mm -hmm. before he had the wwe championship he had the u.s championship and fought like the entire heel mid card like even if he does lose this match i'm kind of struggling to see what's next for him considering everybody he's beat over the last year like he's been it Mm -hmm. it's not talked up 
too much, but he's been pretty dominant the last year. And so, yep, no, that's true. At this point, I feel like it is time for him to lose the belt. And I think that Shinsuke wins it, but it also doesn't feel like it makes a whole lot of sense for Shinsuke to win because then that would extend this feud <laughs> for at least another match. But I, I mean, in the end, I'll go with Shinsuke. Yeah, I would say I feel like that also that I feel like that makes mm-hmm. the most sense. Or they both kick each other. Oh, and it's a double count out. Why has it taken this long for one of them to wear a cup? Like, I'm really, really hoping, like, if AJ wins, I'm really hoping that Shinsuke kicks him in the nuts really hard and he just, like, collapses. And it just hurts his foot. And then AJ's wearing a metal cup and then he can't get up. (laughs) And he just pulls it out and he just collapses. Yeah, and then Shinsuke can't get up because he, like, broke his shin or something. Like, um, (laughs) but yeah, so that's that's pretty much all there is to say about that. Um, And then lastly, the men's money in the bank, which I am hoping that Braun Strowman wins it and then challenges Brock at SummerSlam and does the whole baby face thing where he's calling out his challenge ahead of time. Nicholas could run in for a distraction. Yeah, there you go. He's got to hold off the big dog somehow. It's summer. It's summer. So, so Nicholas won't have school. Oh yeah, that's right. He'll, he'll be the equalizer <laughs> against Paul Heyman. He could just cut all of Bra- uh, Braun's promos. Like they could get a promo battle between Nicholas and uh, Paul Heyman. <laughs> oh, that'd be so funny. But yeah, like looking um, the only other person I feel like has a remote shot at this is Kevin Owens. And that's only because they put that seed in our heads just this past week where he's saying he's afraid mm-hmm. of heights, which is stupid. <laughs> but it's like, oh, he's afraid of heights. And then he's going to try to run up the ladder and get it. And he's like, haha, I'm actually not afraid of heights. <laughs> he's jumped off and fallen off so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He like he I feel like if he if he was afraid of heights, he wouldn't do like splashes off the top rope and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the top like, rope is really not that much higher than just the, than the standard ladder that they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like while like I would love to see Rusev get the push that he's deserved forever. It's not going to happen here. Um, ah, yeah, I see. I feel like Braun Strowman makes the most sense. And I love Braun Strowman. And I would love to see him. Like now that it's been quite some time since his last like face off with Brock Lesnar, I feel like like could could he be the one to, to finally take that title? Um, I could also see if we somehow like for instance you said shinsuke wins if shinsuke wins shinsuke is the champion and then brian is that next feud if the miz was were to win uh he could cash in on brian if brian were to beat shinsuke and that would be super interesting oh that's really cool i like that and yeah and an interesting way to kick off that feud Um, and it gets a title back on the miz which i've been wanting for a really long time and it gets a title back on the miz so that would be like that would be like an amazing scenario um, oh, and also it would serve the added benefit of writing CM Punk out of their history books by making Miz the other only person to cash in the money in the bank twice and win. There you go. Just, and like, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, and that still lets like because that is not a raw competitor that wins that lets Brock continue to hold on to it past the point where CM Punk's record would be. Um, so they wipe out two records I think, with this one win. I think he breaks it anyway, though. I think as of Money in the Bank, it'll be broken. Oh, is it that soon? I thought it was more like SummerSlam. No, it's. It, I think it's before Money in the Bank. Like It's some, It's either this uh, okay. week or next week sometime. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, we don't really have to worry about that yeah. one. But yeah, that other one, that other one would then be gone. Um, or tied, at least. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, there's only two competitors that have ever it, won the Royal Rumble from number one position, and one of them is Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it'll, yeah right. Like the Chris Benoit <laughs> treatment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so I feel like that would be that I would love that. I would love to see Rusev win. Rusev is not going to win. I feel like I feel like it's Braun or it's the Miz. Yeah. The more that you talked uh, about the Miz scenario, the more I see that happening. And because I'm a bigger Miz fan than I am a Strowman fan, I want that to happen more now that you talked oh, yeah, about it. Yeah. I love them both, but I feel like that like that it the Miz winning and it playing out that way sounds like a fucking perfect story. Yeah. And I just find it hard to imagine Braun not winning though, because he's been so dominant this year and they've obviously been setting him up for amazing things this year between the mm-hmm. greatest Royal Rumble win and essentially beating the entire tag division by himself. Mm-hmm. Like I still I just wanna I want to see him jump off a ladder. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know how big show uh, used to do a double like, drop like, in WCW? I could see Finn Balor as well, but I feel like that's less likely yeah like they did a good job of building him up like how they were saying they were worried about build, how they could make him look credible against brock i thought they did a great job yeah. with the same goal with stroman a few weeks ago totally um yeah, yeah. but yeah I, so like but yeah now that you mention it though i really want the miz to win and now i actually do after you talked about it <laughs> i do see him as a strong contender but i still have to lean towards mm-hmm. stroman a little bit just because of the way they've been pushing him when I feel like the Miz winning would be like that classic, like Miz, like he's he fucking pretends he's hurt outside the ring or something and lets everyone else take everyone out. And then he just slides in and climbs up like mm. I feel like that would be the only way that, that would go almost. And then which New Day member do you think is getting in or did they reveal it yesterday? Uh, they did not reveal it. Uh, they acted like they were going to reveal it uh, and they blindfolded the Miz and he was like, you can draw a name out of a hat. Um and then as soon as they put the blindfold on, they switched out the hat with one that was filled with pancake batter. And so he put his hand into that instead. Oh, <laughs> so like <laughs> uh, I, f- I feel like if I had to guess, I would say big E mm-hmm. um, just because just to get another bigger guy into the match. Um, although like Kevin and Owen, Kevin Owens and Rusev are not small guys, but I feel like big E is like another notch up from them. Yeah. Um, and they also like the their Instagram just just was like showing like how many times a bunch of people had been in the la- the match and Kofi Kingston was like six so I'm like oh well you're not putting Kofi in there again yeah uh, if you're if you're calling out that fact and I feel like Xavier Woods I don't know if there's enough for him to do mm-hmm. um, as that smaller guy so I feel like Big E feel like it feels like it makes the most sense to me yeah whereas I'm a I'm kind of on a different train of thought like because Kofi's been in it so much I think. Even though I'm picking Strowman, I think if Kofi's the one that they pick, that their chances of winning increase dramatically because I really think that one one way or another, eventually, I mean, this is WWE, so they don't have to do anything. But if it was me, <laughs> if it was me, at least Kofi would have to win a money in the bank at some point. Like he's That's always true. overperformed in ladder matches. He's been dedicated to the company for who knows how long. He's been at the cusp of the main event a couple of times and had it pulled from him. Um and I could completely see like something and I, I wanted this to happen a few years ago and it never did. Um, I think the New Day just lost. It was when they were still heels. But I imagine like the ladders all being outside the ring and everyone wipes each other out and then Kofi gets in and then like Biggie and Xavier get in too. And then like they like pile on each other's shoulders <laughs> create and create a create a human ladder. Yeah. And, oh, that would be amazing. And I could see them like fr- doing like a free bird rule with the money in the bank briefcase and. If one of them wins the title, <laughs> they could all claim to be WWE champions, like by free word rule and just like stupid stuff like that. But yeah, if Kofi, it's still below the Miz and Strowman. But if Kofi's the one they pick, like Kofi would be like my dark horse of the match, mm. too. But I mean, we'll see. I guess I have a feeling they're not going to sh- say who's in the match until the match. So 
Yeah, it'll just be their theme song will hit and they'll all come out and then one of them will slide into the ring. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that about covers Money in the Bank and thus the rest of the show. So uh, where could people find you, Derek? Uh, So you can find me every week on the Geekscape Games podcast. Um, I am also at DKranavelt on Twitter. And I am at Inu Joshua on every social media and gaming platform. I am also on the Geekscape Games podcast every week. And you can find us both on Geekscape.net. So Geekscape.net. You can also find Matt Kelly on every other podcast on the Geekscape.net. <laughs> except uh, for the Geekscape Games podcast. Except, except for the Geekscape Games podcast. He's also, uh, he just launched a new podcast with a couple of new hosts. It's called Disneyto. Uh, and it is a, a podcast for adult Disney fans. They also have a phenomenal theme song, which sometimes it just like pops into my head. So um, <laughs> if you're interested in Disney or Matt Kelly, uh, you should probably check that uh, out. Yes, yes. And I I need to listen to it, too. I was just watching like goofy movie power line videos yesterday. So I was like, that sounds like that sounds like my kind of podcast then. So. All right. But yeah, so for Matt and for Derek and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Face of fear, ready to say hell, I'ma take you there, so run or submit to me, cause salvation's a mystery. I suggest you run from the new face of fear, ready to say hell, I'ma take you there, so run or submit to me, cause salvation's a mystery. I suggest you run. Do you like to laugh? geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into One Hit Wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Come baby, come baby, baby, come.